Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 207 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, hello. How are you? I'm doing good, Joe, but if we can wrap this up quick, I have somehow managed to figure out how to pause Thursday Night Football on Amazon, and I need to get to it before before I get an angry message from the boar about the Chiefs. Does he make you watch Chief games and report back to him or something? <laughs> no, he watches them himself. But, I mean, obviously I want to watch them play. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to – nobody needs to twist my arm to watch football unless it's the Browns, you know? Right. Well, God forbid. Let's hope the Browns don't end up playing the Steelers sometime in the near future. <laughs> yeah, God forbid. Yeah, God forbid. <laughs> what, what would happen then? <laughs> right. So I'll tell you this, uh, next time something like this happens, uh-huh. um, spring it on me the day of, <laughs> as opposed to a week in advance, uh-huh. uh, because more than likely um, the day of, I would just cancel and not do a show. Mm-hmm. But now the fact that you told me a week in advance that the Browns are playing the Steelers next Thursday when we would record... Uh, I had to scramble to set up something for next week, which I already did. And thank you to everyone who offered. Um, I was actually out uh, eating dinner with the family while all this was going on. So it was just like, you know. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? Honestly, like, I didn't even think about it because in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm not in retail anymore so I can watch every football game. But I (laughs) forgot about Thursday Night Football. And, you know, obviously I'm having a, a thing trying to figure out how to record this game. And I was like, oh, I should probably check and see if the Steelers are playing on a Thursday night. And it just, oh, shit, it's next week. So <laughs> I didn't know or I should have looked, you know, uh, just once Roethlisberger retired, I stopped looking at the schedule. I mean, what a fan you are, huh? <laughs> I'm still still a fan. You know, I, just, yeah. I have very low expectations, you know. So you also may notice that you could actually hear Adam this week. Yay, I fixed it. <laughs> yes, Adam fixed it. That's what it was. Um, <laughs> so, because he sounds fine to me right now. Yeah. And I went and I pulled it up and I noticed Adam was a little low when I was doing the edit. And I'm like, eh, he's a little low, but, you know, that's maybe just because I'm so loud, you know? Mm-hmm. And then a couple people mentioned that you were low, not terrible, but low. I'm like, okay, well, maybe Adam just wasn't close to his mic when he got up for one of his 15 bathroom breaks during the show. I'm an extremely hydrated person. Come on. Uh-huh. <laughs> so am I. I just I put a catheter in when we record. <laughs> you piss in a jug. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then I bring it with me to throw at people at GCW shows. I don't know. <laughs> um. So then. I'm like, okay, and I mentioned it to Todd when we recorded uh, Longbox Heroes this past week, and then Todd was super low, and Todd's low to begin with, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So I'm Googling, like, all this troubleshooting stuff, and lo and behold, like, I did a restart on my computer the other day and had to do, like, some sort of update or whatever the fuck it was, right? Mm-hmm. So the sound default settings, I'm just going to bring this up here so I'm getting this done correctly. <laughs> So it says, oh, go into sounds and go to this and go to that off your control panel. I'm like, okay, well, let me go into that. And then it says, under communications, there's a thing that says, Windows can automatically adjust the volume of different sounds when you are using your PC to place or receive telephone calls, which is how we record this show. Um, And it says, when Windows detects this activity, and it gives you three options, mute all sounds, Reduce the volume by 50%, 
reduce the volume by 80% or do nothing. So when my computer defaulted, when it restarted, it defaulted to the reduce by 80%. Which, I mean, just makes total sense of like a setting you would want. Like, have you ever gotten a phone call and you're like, it seems a little loud. I'd like to reduce it by 80%. Right. (laughs) Like not 10%, not 20%. Let's go all in 80%. But that's not even the, like I could see like if it reduced it by eighty percent when you when like I'm hearing you right now I would have noticed something then, yeah. But you yeah. came through this no problem. Yeah, that's weird. You're very strange. Yeah, I assumed it was me too, but you know, yeah. As, as a podcast goes, as I get tireder and tireder, I start lurking away from the microphone. But I was like, you shouldn't have noticed it right at the beginning. But I didn't because it wasn't you. Yeah, no, I get you. Because that's the thing. So I was like, I just assumed it was you as well. And then uh, then when it was Todd, I'm like, okay, it, it, it probably is Adam and it probably is Todd. But what's the common denominator between those two? It's You're probably sure. me. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> so. I mean, Porch Talk sounded fine this week. So Yeah, I mean, that's true. Yeah, so definitely was you. Nice ambient sound there. <laughs> Might be the last outdoor porch talk of the season. Oh, don't even get me started. I've been where it's been a short summer, you know. Yeah. And the last couple of days, taking my kid to school or like just going out in general, I'm like, how long can I get away with? I'm a fat guy. I can get away wearing shorts and a hockey jersey until at least the rest of my life, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, like I went to this past Saturday. I went to a Penn State game, and it was my. I'm sorry. Oh, dude, it's my first college game ever. I've never been to one. I'm not a big college football fan. But when I, I went there in shorts and I was thinking to myself, I was like, should I wear jeans? And I looked at the forecast and it was like, oh, it's going to be in the 70s. And I got there, got to my seats at like 1230 or no, 1130 in the morning, you know, uh, afternoon. And it's like 100 degrees out. I'm sweating and I'm like, thank God I didn't wear jeans. And about 10 minutes after kickoff, the temperature had to drop by 30 degrees and I was shivering in, in my shorts. And I was like, I need jeans. This is terrible. And I caught pneumonia. So it's like, yeah, I hear you. We need to wear those, uh, those shorts that you can like, the sh- what do you talk? You unzip the leg and like the legs come off and turn them into shorts. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. But I will tell you, if you ever go to a, a college football game, it is literally the entire like tailgating crowd is just like somebody just clicked cut and paste on Julia Hart over and over and over again. So, um, oh yeah, A plus will recommend. <laughs> <laughs> like goth Julia Hart? No, that doesn't make any sense. No, no, like uh, varsity blondes Julia Hart. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm gonna delay the show even more. They All right, have- good. They have these porta potties. All right, this is hot porta potty talk right here. <laughs> they are these porta potties that are like hexagonal shaped, like these giant structures. They're not just like a single porta potty. It's like a giant circle, and on the inside of this thing is just a bunch of urinals. So it's like you go into the porta potty, and there might be like eight other dudes in there, which is not the cool part. But I mean, it's cool if you're into that. But they call it. I mean, it's not officially called this, but like the students call them coctagons. And I think it's the funniest thing on the planet. I've been laughing about coctagons for a week now. (laughs) I'm glad I missed out on that. (laughs) 
just sit like late at night. I'm just like <laughs> coctagon. Did you have your phone out while you're at the coctagon just to see if anyone <laughs> was doing any coke or something? No, you know what? I wanted to take a picture in front of it, like from the outside, obviously. Sure, sure. <laughs> like take a mark pick with the coctagon, but I forgot when we were leaving because I was like freezing. So, <laughs> right. But uh, maybe next time, you know. I would name the show uh, Coctagon, but I think we might get people who are very disappointed about what the rest of the show is about. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, well. All right. So let's get into the show, huh? Yeah, let's do it. And now, At Odds with Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. Uh, so this is actually kind of a busy day in wrestling history, and we'll bounce around just a bit, of course. Okay. Uh, on this day, wrestling history in 1996, World Championship Wrestling held their fall brawl pay-per-view, The War Games. Uh, and this was War Games where it was Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Sting taking on Lex Luger, Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, and Sting. I'm confused. Well, this was the NWO sting. Why is NWO? Oh, okay. Well, my, my bad. I was like looking at that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Because weeks weeks coming up on Nitro, there had been the uh, the the mind games that the NWO were playing with the WCW people, uh, accusing Sting of turning, and they don't. Talk, the Lex Luger does not talk to his best friend Sting except for at TV, which I completely understand. <laughs> um, the Nitro before was the deal where it looked like Sting was talking to Ted DeBusey out in the lo- uh, out in the um out in the parking lot, right? Yeah. And they were just playing audio of the actual Sting talking to, like, kind of seal the deal. Side note, Chris Zellner from uh, Between the Sheets was at this show live. And there was a ton of pre-produced backstage skits. And there was no Tron or screens inside the building for anyone. So almost 45% of the show was stuff that was outside that the people inside couldn't see. Oh, they didn't roll out the the TVs (laughs) on on the stands? Nope. So this was the deal where, you know, uh, Sting is the last guy for each one. And, like, NWO Sting comes out. It's very clearly not Sting. And, you know, the the, the announcers are selling as though it really is the real Sting. Mm. And then a real Sting comes out. He beats the shit out of all the members of the NWO, leaves them laying, but then abandons Team WCW. Yeah, and it's the next it's the next night on Nitro where, like, he cuts the, the only thing about Sting. The only thing uh, that's for sure about Sting is nothing's for sure. And then he would go up into the rafters. Yeah, because he was like, he was pissed that, like, why would you believe that I would join the NWO type of thing, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Reminds me of when I was BWO Sting at an ECW TV <laughs> taping. <laughs> I know we've talked about that before, and I know you've shared that picture. But I swear, like I said, that was an early meeting between you and I before we knew each other. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We could have started this podcast 10 years ago. We'd be rich uh, right now. No, we certainly could have. Now we're going to go backwards from here. Um, on this day, wrestling history in 2017, uh, AIW held their event Cool as Ice uh, in honor of them doing a meet and greet and like pre-show uh, like seminar with Dean Malenko. Okay. Uh, this was one of my last AIW shows before I went off the road. 
Um, some of the notable matches on this show is Britt Baker versus Faye Jackson. Uh, DJ Z, Ethan Page, Gringo Loco, Laredo Kid, and EC3, or Ethan Page, rather, if I didn't already say them, uh, taking on AJ Gray, Garrison King, Malcolm Monroe III, Trey Lamar, and baby Joshua Bishop. Jesus, what was he, 16 in this? Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> still probably six foot four. <laughs> uh, Matt Justice versus MJF. Uh, in Two Infinity and Beyond, Cheech and Colin taking on uh, Colt Cabana and Grado. Uh, Sanjay Dutt versus Janela. Dom versus Tom Lawler. And then in the main event, Hot Sauce, Tracy Williams, Lewis Linden, and Tim Donst. Uh, fun show that? just for history's sake to go back and look at baby Josh Bishop, you know? Yeah, yeah. Who was the uh, absolute champion in that three-way? Uh, I'm no. almost certain that it was a uh, hot sauce. Okay, I don't know my AIW history. I apologize. I was just right. curious. Uh, also on this day, Wrestling History 2013, World Wrestling Entertainment held their Night of Champions event. Uh, and it is a very 2013-ass WCW or WWF show. Uh, like Alberto Del Rio defending the world title against RVD, managed by Ricardo Rodriguez. Okay. Uh, Curtis Axel and Paul Heyman in a handicap match against Punk. <laughs> uh, but the main event is after, you know, because we had talked about SummerSlam, where Daniel Bryan wins the world title, beating John Cena, Triple H is the referee, Triple H turns on Daniel Bryan, Randy Orton comes and catches the Money in the Bank briefcase, and here we are one pay-per-view later, Daniel Bryan beats Randy Orton for the title, so kind of like, why did we do that in the first place at mm-hmm. SummerSlam, you know? Yeah, WWE, everybody. Exactly. Uh, so also on this day in wrestling history, and this is, you know what? Uh, this would have been the biggest thing uh, that we would discuss if, if I didn't have clips for the other one. Mm. Uh, th- 2007, uh, this day, wrestling history, Ring of Honor held the event Man Up in Chicago Ridge, Illinois. And again, you know, it's in the middle of like whatever their gang warfare thing. And you've got members of the No Remorse Corps taking on members of the Hangman 3 in a variety of singles matches, right? Like, who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. Uh, Morishima taking on Brian Danielson, who was in a feud with uh, Homicide at that time and was wrestling with an eye patch. <laughs> All right. Uh, but the main event was a ladder war match of the Briscoe brothers taking on Kevin Steen and El Generico. And there was a great match. They always had great matches. But this was the debut of the Age of the Fall. Are you aware of that era of Ring of Honor, Adam? Uh, I have no idea what you're talking about. So for weeks leading up to this, uh, someone had been posting these manifestos on the Ring of Honor message board under the name Project 161. Now, everyone's like, oh, well, you know, it's going to blow off on this show, this Chicago Rig- Ridge show, because it's the 161st Ring of Honor show. And Gabe was deleting the posts and the person was hacking into the message board and all these <laughs> other things. Right. So uh, Project 161 is the debut of the Age of the Fall which is Jimmy Jacobs turning heel and leading a stable of himself at, at the start of himself, Necro Butcher, and a just recently debuting in Ring of Honor, Tyler Black. Okay. I know who that is. Now, that's uh, Tyler, hey, that's Tyler freaking Black. Come on. No, now. it's not. <laughs> so uh, 
the big angle at the end we'll get to. So the opening thing, uh, up to this point for Ring of Honor, um, I think it was this year in 2007 where they started doing like taped pay-per-views. Like they would tape it on X day and then it would air like however long in the future. It was a very poor business model. Mm-hmm. But they were still having Dave Prezak and Lenny Leonard do the commentary in post-production. Like they would go to Sal, who was one of the money guys for Ring of Honor. They would go to his house and like bang out like three shows in a day, right? Mm-hmm. So at this show, they fly Lenny and Dave in. Dave's a drive, but Lenny's a flight from Florida to come in and do the open of the pay-per-view because they do an angle where a masked Seth Rollins comes out and tries to hijack the show, okay? Mm-hmm. But while they're there at the building, they don't do commentary. Makes sense. So they literally flew them in to stand there to open the pay-per-view for 30 seconds, and then that was it. Hmm. It's almost. It's funny that Ring of Honor didn't like have any management issues or any money issues over its oh. time. <laughs> so one of the more memorable things from this is so uh, the Briscoes win the match. Age of the Fall comes out and they beat up the Briscoes. Uh, both Jay and Mark get bloodied up, and they they tie like a thing around Jay's ankles and they winch him up, and he's hanging upside down in the middle of the ring, while Jimmy Jacobs cuts a promo underneath him. Jimmy Jacobs wearing a white leather coat while he is just being drenched in Mark Briscoe's blood. Okay, I think I saw that picture like tweeted recently. You yes, know, my- well, today's the anniversary of it. Yeah, I don't know if it was today though. Like, I feel like it was a couple days ago. Might have just been somebody like, oh, this week or something like that. You know? Yeah. So this moment, this angle is a lot of people like this is when they got into Ring of Honor. Like, you know, there was people who were into, into it from the beginning. There are people that got into it like mid-06 when they start doing the Dragon Gate guys and the CCW feud was happening at the same time. And then there were people that got into Ring of Honor because of this. Okay. Yeah, that, that's a fucking, like, a really cool visual, you know what yes. I'm saying? Like, for me to have been scrolling through Twitter and not know the context, but for it to have stuck out, you know? Well, there's your context. Oh, look at that. I'm learning something new every day. It's a, this, is a, this is an educational podcast, yes. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's a lifestyle podcast first, but educational <laughs> <laughs> Uh So, uh, this day, wrestling history, we go by the air dates, of course. 1997, head-to-head, Raw vs. Nitro. Uh, Nitro, uh, it's the night after Fall Brawl 97. After Shock of Shocks, Kurt Henning turns on the Four Horsemen. What? Slams Ric Flair's head in the cage door. Uh, kayfabe to write Ric Flair out for storyline reasons uh, in real life so that Rick can go get a facelift. <laughs> uh, so nothing major, like uh, nothing real major happens on the show. Like they're still building some stuff leading toward Halloween Havoc. Uh, Kurt Henning comes out and as part of his NWO ensemble, he's wearing the red Ric Flair robe with the sleeves cut off. <laughs> um. And he beats Mongo for the U.S. title on this one. One, who remembered that Mongo still had the U.S. title mm. at this point? And this is like the beginning, like within the next week or two, and I hope it's next week when you're not here, but within the next week of two is the beginning of Mongo's last program in WCW. Oh, poor guy. Well, what if you remember what Mongo's, if you remember who Mongo's program was at, around this time, you know what big moment in wrestling history is coming up here, you know? Yeah. Uh, over also, on... 
Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, before you go, I'm looking at your notes here, and I see that uh, that was also the, the show where Disco Inferno had his one passable match of his career against Dean Malenko. <gasps> Uh, you know what? And I'll say this. Disco Inferno has become a rotten, horrible person who thinks that he's like a shooter mm-hmm. and thinks he's like Jerry Lawler mixed with like one of the Gracies. I don't know. I, it's really weird what his persona is. He's also like Alex, like a sprinkling of Alex Jones in there as well. Um, but he had actually a couple good matches in his day. But somebody posted the gif, a gif from this match, where one, he stumbles on taking an Irish whip because he doesn't know how to do it. (laughs) And he was bragging about how good his punches are. And he gives, in this match to Dean Malenko, the most comically over-the-top, like, haymaker sissy punches in this match. Yeah. So, but again, he's a shooter, man. Well, I mean, in in Disco's defense, he's not an Irish whip guy. That's true. I can understand, you know, there's guys out there that aren't drop to old guys, so <laughs> I could see that as well. Uh, so Raw, on the other hand, aired on Monday head-to-head, but it was taped uh, over the weekend in Muncie, Indiana, the hotbed of professional wrestling. <laughs> uh, we're in the midst of the Intercontinental Title Tournament uh, with Ken Shamrock taking on Farouk, Brian Pillman taking on Dude Love. Uh, we have the Legion of Doom taking on Recon and Sniper of the Truth Commission, uh, where this is, if not the last, one of the last appearances of the Commandant and the first appearance of Kurgan the Interrogator. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this episode of Raw is most notable for something else. It's for a promo on this show, and we're going to play that promo right now. Well, here he comes, folks, and who knows what's going to come out of the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels' mouth. JR on the way to the ring to get the exclusive interview. Shawn Michaels in his underwear. And i got to wonder what kind of reception Shawn Michaels will get in a jam-packed Madison Square Garden one week from tonight for the history-making first ever Well, from the world's most famous arena. Looks like he's smuggling like a bunch of olives. (laughs) Not even at all. Well, again, we'll get into it. Oh, she's surprised. (laughs) They just showed a young lady in the crowd and she realized the camera's on her and she noticed what Sean's at. <laughs> and it's going to come a point in this interview where you're going to remember exactly why we're talking. Height of power, Sean Michaels. All natural. Sean Michaels, I'm sure a lot of folks are wondering how many problems that you can handle. Last week here on Raw, the Brent Owen, the Occupy was stone cold in the back. You and Hunter Hearst Helms took it upon yourself to attack the British Bulldog. Problem after problem. What was your motivation for attacking the Bulldog here last week? Well, the fact of the matter is, I have done everything that there is to do here in the World Wrestling Federation. That's true. Except for one thing. And that's to be the European Champion. (laughs) So I decided to take it upon myself 
to go ahead and be the first man in World Wrestling Federation history to ever hold all four titles here in the World Wrestling Federation. Okay. Okay. So I was hoping that was the longer version of this, but it's not. So as this promo goes on and JR is trying to conduct the interview with Sean, Sean is jumping up and uh-huh. crotch chopping in Jim Ross's face. Okay. <laughs> yep. Um, yes, Sean is wearing little biker shorts. Yes, Sean apparently has uh, a little help in the package department. That's right. Now, as this as this happens, right, it's taped. Vince, for some reason, is not at this taping of Raw, okay? Mm-hmm. JR, Jim Cornette, all the agents, everyone is flipping out. They're pissed. Whatever. Sean needs to be fined. This is disrespectful. Of course he does this when Vince isn't here. The whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. That weekend, they go to the meeting. Vince comes in, and he says, this is what we need to do. <laughs> this is what our show needs to be. This is the attitude I was talking about. So basically, Shawn Michaels <laughs> created the Attitude Era and basically put WCW out of business and saved wrestling. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes. Yeah. So uh, if you want to point it, paint it that way, sure. Um, but, you know, this is like height of powers, Sean, just like being an obnoxious jerk and everyone hating him and Vince just letting him get away with it. <laughs> well, you know, it is really surprising because Vince is a man of high moral character. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised he didn't shoot that down, you know, and be like, we won't let that stand here in our, our family company, you know, then now together forever, whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, big day in wrestling history. A lot of stuff happened on this day. I love, I love looking back at what happened, you know? Yeah. I mean, again, anytime you can show me Shawn Michaels, I'm down for it. Right. Yeah. So, hey, let's get into what happened, like, the last week or so of wrestling, right? Has anything happened? Anything you want to talk about? Any? Uh, you know what, Joe? I mean, this week in wrestling, like, I don't know if we're coming down from just, like, uh, the the AEW, like, scrum and all that shit. But, like, I feel like it's been a big heap of, like, who gives a fuck over the last seven days, you know? But uh, I will say I'm going to start things off, and I want to talk a little bit about aw surprise surprise right uh, dynamite last night and joe i think the feed of dynamite that comes into my house mm. uh might be edited might be different than the feed that other people are getting okay a little worried because uh you know i look on twitter and i'm a little behind on stuff and i'm looking and just people are like oh man that mgf promo was pretty good like uh, you know that's one of his better ones you know Oh, we have we have uh, Stokely cutting a promo. Yay! Oh my God, that was the greatest Stokely hat. That that promo was fire. That that thing was can't miss. Stokely hit it out of the park, and I'm like, all right, let's let's check that out. I'm looking forward to these two <laughs> these two awesome interviews, these two awesome promos. So uh, the MGF promo was uh, he was saying, Joe, this is this is how you know he's serious. He's not playing a character. This is like really Maxwell. Uh, so I was like, Ooh, this is a shoot brother. Uh, so that promo was really edgy because he was talking about mox drinking. So, uh, that was a garbage mox or garbage MJF promo. As you say, he hits a home run every once in a while, but, uh, 
That was definitely just, uh, at best, a base hit. So then we have Stokely Hathaway introduced by MJF. And I'm like, okay, I like Stokely as much as the next guy. You know, obviously I'm not uh, – I'm not a guy who, you know, has been familiar with him for years. I'm not a friend of his like you guys are. But I'm like, all right, I like Stokely. Let's see what he has to say about his, his stable. And, Joe, I don't care. I'll take some heat for it. I thought that that promo was garbage. It went on way too long. It was like, hey, uh, we're, we, we're a group of individuals that was put together to, to help out MJF. But if MJF doesn't need us, we'll all go our separate ways. And then here's a bit about, like, the finer the juice, the the better the squeeze. And then I'm going to go one-on-one and talk about all these guys that are in the stable and what they're looking for. And, oh, Joe, all those things that I did over the past couple months, that was all just a swerve. Ha-ha, you guys are dumb. You believed me. And it wasn't at all just creative, couldn't figure out exactly what they wanted to do with me. And uh, we're the firm, which makes sense because I'm not a lawyer or a publicist, but it's my firm, uh, which would be a great name if you were a lawyer or a publicist. Uh, I like Stokely's delivery of what he was either told to say or whatever. He's a great talker. It's not like he went out there and stumbled over his words like I would if I was talking. But the message that he was giving, I was bored to shit with it. I have zero interest in any of those guys now. Like, or I don't want to say because of that promo, but that promo didn't make me care any more about anybody than I did going into it. Like, I still care about Ethan Page. I still want Ethan Page to to go far and win the Mid-Atlantic title. And I still like Stokely. But if it wasn't for the loyalty I had built into those guys going into it, that would have lost me. And I'm in the minority on it because I was looking at Twitter and people were talking about it like it was the Austin 316 promo. And I couldn't disagree more. I could be completely wrong, but it's just nothing about that hooked me. Okay. Um, so you are wrong. Uh, I'm sorry you have to hear it this way. Uh, did I love the MJF promo as much as everybody else did? No. Um, MJF needs to stop baiting the crowd and like calling them fat and stupid and losers because they all cheer him. Um, it doesn't throw him off when he does it, but it's a part of his promo that he can take out because it's not getting the desired reaction. Um, I think he could have cut that same promo on Mox without saying, like, uh, this is a shoot and this is Maxwell and I'm not a character. Uh, but the end game when he got there, once it got going, I'm like, OK, I'm with you. This is an angle to take on things. OK, good. Um, now, you're not going to get me uh, ever. To say anything negative about a uh, friend of the show, uh, my my good friend Stokely Hathaway. Uh, and listen, I'm not a stooge, but I'm going to stooge your remarks off to him. Go for it. Um, so he comes out and, you know, he does his promo. And obviously I get what you're saying, that everything that he's done to this point is, you know, has been him working everyone. And, you know, it's he comes in as Jade's publicist and then he's off as Jade's publicist. And yes, it's because of some creative differences behind the scenes, of course. But again, this is a way to kind of make sense of things in storyline. And yes, he's MJF's best friend. And he uh, put these people together, one, to help MJF get his goal, which is the AEW world title. But all of these guys now all have their own individual goals. Um, uh, 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 u
Uh, Ethan Page wants the All Atlantic title. Uh, and again, the, the Ass Boys want the tag team titles. Lee Moriarty wants the ROH Pure title. And and so on. And W. Morrissey just wants a hug from Stokely Hathaway. And I can't say that I blame him. <laughs> I get where you're coming from. I thought it was good. I like Stokely Hathaway all the time. I don't think he's ever cut a bad promo. Again, I think you're taking some people saying like, hey, these are good promos. They're like, oh, these are game-changing promos. If you look at the Twitter feed of like a lot of our mutuals on Last Night Live, you know, people that like will, when they hear this, they will be very vocal and disagreeing with me. But they were basically, there was a lot of fire emojis. There was... uh, Like, people basically saying it was, like, one of the promos of the year. And I think that they all have Stokely blinders on. You know, like, it's one thing that, like, obviously, if your friend is on television, everything automatically gets bumped up a couple grades. But as somebody who wouldn't know Stokely from a hole in the wall, you know, I I, I have to just be objective with it. And, I, again, I'm an AEW mark. I'm a mark of people that you're friends with a lot of times. But I'm going into it just saying that there was nothing – in my personal opinion, that was exceptional about that promo. It was it fine, sure. I I wish it was shorter. I wish it didn't bookend an MJF promo, which made it just feel overall like a much longer segment. Um, I don't know, man. Like again, I don't even blame Stokely. I just blame what like the setup of all of it, you know. Uh, and then as I have here up on the screen, and this listen, this is a reference out of my wheelhouse as well, but the firm is an homage to a late 90s Dr. Dre-produced, short-lived hip-hop project. Oh, of course. See, I knew that. Right. And again, listen, that's Stokely's wheelhouse. That's not my wheelhouse. But again, if you get it, you get it. That's cool, right? Yeah. Um, (laughs) So again, listen, you got problems, all right? Well, that's nothing now. The the fire's coming down on you is all I'm saying. (laughs) Um, So... Like like you said, it feels as though we are kind of in a bit of a holding pattern, especially over on World Wrestling Entertainment, um, because we just came off uh, Clash of the Castle, Roman's off TV, and the big star that they've replaced Roman with on TV is Brawny Strowman. Yeah. And I... Like an entirely new mid-mitten for Braun Strowman. (laughs) Yeah, and I get uh, people are into Braun Strowman. Um, I, I get that people are excited that he's back. Uh, I know WWE had to try real hard to put up a YouTube video of his 10 best moments. Um, I think they might have played a couple of them twice. Uh, Braun Strowman's never been my guy. He ain't my guy. Um, so if he's going to be the focal point of two of your shows, uh, I'm not too super interested in your shows then, I guess. Um, I guess we could talk about officially NXT no longer being two point glow going back to the old uh, black and gold. Yeah, see, I saw the uh, I saw some things about it on Twitter because I, I I don't watch NXT that much anymore. I check in on Cora Jade, but uh, other than that, I saw people saying that it was like, oh, it's back to the black and gold. And so I expected to turn it on and, and see that. But I didn't realize that it was just a little Shawn Michaels uh, audio thing at the end of the show. You know, so like. Uh, I guess that means that they're going back to what they were. Goodbye. So, so much for two point glow. You had a good run. <laughs> um, so that's the thing. They just changed everything. It's a lot of the same characters and stuff. And I saw a lot of people that were on NXT. Um, 
like doing the tweets like the, like that were on NXT and got released are all happy now. It's like that doesn't mean your job is back, but maybe it does. And then like everybody else who came up over the last like year are just going to get released or something. Yeah. Like is it just a change in the look? Cuz like maybe maybe at the end of the day Hunter just prefers the old logo and that's all he's doing, you know? Like oh, I hate this rainbow colored thing. We're going back to the uh, the older logo, and that's it, you know? Because it's not like he can go and get, you know, despite what the WWE stands are going to say, he's not going to go get Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly and Samoa Joe and all that, you know? So he's still dealing with fucking Braun Breaker as the world champ. Yeah, I don't know. But, like, it just definitely feels like WWE's in a holding pattern until they get to, like, a brand split or, you know, draft or some shit, right? Yeah. And then AEW is just kind of like re like reconfiguring itself until they crown the new champion next week. I know it's Grand Slam, but I keep calling it Arthur Ashe because that's where it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was going to kind of like uh, the two things I was going to talk about, other than the fact that I didn't make the PWI 500 again, uh, <laughs> you know, was the NXT return. And, uh, you know, you mentioned that AEW kind of seems like it's, uh, they have to reshuffle the deck because of the the scrum and all that shit. Uh, I hope coming out of this Arthur Ashe show, which happens next week, and we'll talk about it, uh, they better do a lot of things to make the crowd happy. You know, like we talked about the acclaimed needing those belts and needing to to they should have called an audible at the pay per view somehow. Uh, but like the acclaimed need to become the tag champs this Wednesday. Um, as far as the world title match, you know, we're going to get Moxley versus dragon, which is awesome. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong either way. I think they're going to do Moxley, but I prefer Danielson, you know, like you can have Moxley challenge Danielson for, you know, a couple weeks later at the pay-per-view, whatever. But I think that this is an opportunity to maybe put the belt on, on Danielson because much like punk, uh, well, not as badly as punk, but, uh, you know, Dragon has his issues. You know, he's one concussion away from missing a bunch of time. God forbid. Hmm. So I think, like, it would be cool to give him a run right now when he's supposedly, like, really healthy, you know? So, um, but yeah, AEW just kind of seems weird right now because, you know, obviously you're missing Punk. You're missing the Bucks. You're missing Kenny Omega, who so much of the TV's been built around. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm what, missing them, but well, I get what you're saying. Uh, they need to put the fucking belt on the biggest badass on the planet, Orange Cassidy, who fucking knocked the fuck out pack backstage. Uh, like, There's a lot of things they can do this Wednesday to build up some goodwill with some of the fan base. You know, and like, I, I'm, I don't want to be like, oh, let it play out. But no, man, give me who I want to win shit. Have have Dragon or Moxley win the world title and have Eddie Kingston come out and get in their fucking face. Give me what I want, damn it. <laughs> you know? Okay. So, uh, and again, not fantasy booking. Of course, we don't do that here. No, not at all. Uh, and I don't build things up in my mind and then not tell anyone. And then when they don't happen, I get upset at the company. <laughs> uh, but um, I'll say this. I don't think, like, the acclaimed should win the titles. Mm-hmm. I have a weird feeling that they're not gonna. And we're going to get one more match out of this, uh, of them, Swerve, and Keith Lee. Why? I don't know. It's just, it's just, just a feeling. Just further just a feeling. the anticipation? I don't know. Just a feeling. I think 
they like uh, Swerve and Keith Lee need to fully turn heel. Like Acclaim could win the title and then not get the victory celebration because Swerve and Keith Lee like do the full heel turn and lay them out afterwards. Maybe that's what like I'm picturing in my mind. Yeah, yeah. I take. Um, that. I think Mox is gonna win the belt because. MJF already cut the promo on Mox that he's the next challenger. Mm-hmm. He didn't cut a promo on Danielson. Oh, see, I didn't even, I was just so like, rolling yeah. my, I was dizzy from rolling my eyes at MJF. That <laughs> the fact that yet again, another AEW promo spoils a fucking match. Well, again, I don't think this was one was intentional, but let's just say like, I'd love to see either guy. Danielson's more my favorite than Mox. I definitely think that Mox deserves it. Um, I'm certain that Eddie Kingston is going to get involved some way, somehow. Uh, you know, I know he, it came out over the weekend that he got COVID. So I think he's doing better, but he wasn't at TV this week. Um, I could absolutely see Orange Cassidy winning the Atlantic title and them doing Orange Cassidy versus Ethan Page as a program on TV, which I'm okay with that after Ethan Page uh, does whatever he's going to do to Dan the Housen this week. <laughs> License to print money there. And at the very least, you know, you know, uh, we can still get some stuff, whether Pac keeps the title, and then you get Pac and the Lucha Brothers taking on, like, some iteration of the firm, or you Orange Cassidy wins it, and then you get some iteration of Best Friends taking on some iteration of the firm, you know, leading up to the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I, I'm I'm things are in a weird holding pattern. You know, everybody's got to get their shit together. You know, school just started. New gas station opened up down the down the road. McDonald's is 24 hours. These are all problems that everyone's having, right? <laughs> sure. Now, the other thing is, and this was going to be a project that I was going to give you if you're going to be here next week. Oh, luckily I'm getting out of this. What's up? But I'm gonna, it's going to give you two weeks to do it. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> you tell me what you think. So uh, it had been mentioned before a little bit, but really came out today on social media that at that big raw um, raw meeting that AEW had, Kenny Omega essentially said to the entire roster in front of Tony Khan that it, if it was up to him, he wouldn't have hired 80% of the people that are currently under contract. <laughs> okay. So... Uh, if you include um, managers, uh, commentators, backstage presenters, etc., okay, uh-huh. there are currently 178 people under contract for AEW. 20% of that is 36 people. <laughs> Can you put together the best AEW roster of 36 people from their current 178? Oh, it, having nothing to do with who Kenny Omega would pick. No. Just basically who I, I don't, would pick. I don't care who Kenny Omega's 36 yeah, yeah. would be. I want to know what Adam's 36 would be, and I want to know what my 36 would be. Okay, so 36, and uh, just correct me if I'm wrong, because I might not have heard you right. Uh, wrestlers are plus on-air personality, plus, plus just like that, or was did you mention like backstage or something like that? Everything. So if you see this link that I'm pulling up here, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as of today, there are currently 178 people under AEW. And then you could break it down by men, 
by women, by other roles, quote unquote. Like you got your part timers, your managers, your commentators, ring announcers, blah, 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 blah. Right. Okay. So it's 178 people. As you see, the list as I'm scrolling here and it just seems to go on forever. Right. (laughs) There's a lot, a lot of people. All right. Right. So uh, in two weeks, we're going to reconvene. I'm going to send you this link. Yeah. In the chat. And then we're going to come back in two weeks and we're going to formulate our best 36 person roster. Okay. It's actually 35.8 repeating, but I'm rounding up to 36. (laughs) Uh, Tony Khan is your free square. Right. So, okay. So that's the other thing. Like when you look at that roster, right? They're including Shad Khan in the roster, right? (laughs) Um, They're including people that are like under Ring of Honor deals. Yeah. That aren't officially with Ring of Honor, right? Yeah. Um, You know, they have Dan Lambert still there, but I don't think Dan Lambert's been on TV in weeks, you know? Yeah, well, he'll be on my roster. Right, exactly. He's (laughs) number one draft pick. Yeah, I'm. Lo- you know what? I'm looking forward to to you know looking at a roster of talent and putting together my team. Uh, glad I can do that here, Joe. Right. And listen, I might include this link in the show notes. And if you want to play along at home, I don't know. I don't know. There's like it's just gonna be. It'll just be interesting to see where we all line up. You know. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm looking forward. But to yeah, that. like Tony Khan doesn't count. Tony Khan's like your your freebie. You automatically get Tony Khan to come and cut. Um, you know, interesting promos on TV. <laughs> yeah, I'll put together a little announcing team. This, this will be good. All right. Yeah. All right, cool. That's uh, that's all I got, Joe. There wasn't really much other than me uh, being totally right about that firm promo. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, so there's going to be a tough assignment for me. So let's get into phone calls before we get into homework, huh? All right. Like might have some interesting topics that spin out of this. First call. This is the strongest man in all the land, Arthur MacArthur. And if you're listening to this now, you will have watched me perform at AIW's Wrestle Razor. <clears throat> it's gonna be great. There's a lot I can talk about, but I have to dedicate this call to the passing of a legend. The legend that is hot soup wrestling. <laughs> he uh, unfortunately Died from a overdose of thyroid medicine. Very touching that his son took over his account and posted his note talking about the toxicity of the world and all of the. Oh, look, this is goddamn it! This is the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> Who, who's going to be my number one hater on Twitter now? I, Randy. Apparently, Randy. What, what are we going to do? How could you? How could you go away? I need someone. To give me flames. Uh, do I have to rely on Dustin now? This is ridiculous. Randy, you're a weak man. Couldn't make it. I don't know, man. This, this whole thing is hilarious. Uh, that, that's all I got. I hope you guys have a great weekend. And uh, we'll go from there. Yes. I was just going to say, for those that don't know, I'm pretty sure uh, Tom Dunn killed a guy. Is that where we're getting out of this? Well, we're trying to figure out who killed him. If it was Tom Dunn or if it was the shock of Artie and Chuck winning the tag titles. Mm-hmm. And this guy was a big uh, Artie hater yeah, for yeah. no reason. Um, there's a lot of speculation who may have been behind the account. But if we're to believe uh, that this was a real person and then his son, 
found him uh, and posted his suicide note in multiple tweets on his Twitter account. <laughs> and that he overdosed from injecting himself with thyroid medication. Um, I definitely think that someone else was behind this and that Randy, the hot soup takes guy, was maybe a fabricated creation who maybe had a grudge with some of the people in AIW. What? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how people get mixed up in these sort of things, you know? Yeah. If anybody's listening to this has no clue what we're talking about, uh, just say just so you know, nobody's dead. We're not yeah. laughing at somebody legitimately being dead or no. To no. We're, we're laughing at a very unhinged person who probably <laughs> needs some help, but it's still kind of funny. <laughs> you know? Yes. I, I will say this though: the hot soup account does follow me, so hopefully they don't they don't delete the account the account so that I can keep my Twitter followers up. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I lost two after last week, Joe. I don't know if I said something on the podcast that might have offended anybody. <laughs> you probably did. Oh yeah, possibly. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of one thing in particular. But go ahead. All right. I'm sure there was something on this show that you said that'll probably get you unfollowed by a couple people as well. No, no. Stokely's gonna unfollow me. Maybe. He doesn't follow me this time. He's gonna have to follow me then unfollow me. That'll really show me. Yeah. Next call. Hey, Joe and Adam, what's happening? This is uh, your boy Kenny from The Mystery Man. Uh, hope you guys are having a good week. Uh want to thank Joe for tweeting out the link to the episode of The Bump featuring everybody's favorite, Kevin Steen, and uh, that other guy, Johnny somebody, who uh, had a bunch of cool things to say about AIW, and then celebrity of all celebrities, John Thorne drops in, and uh, the whole thing turned into a love fest for Chandler Diggins, which is awesome. Uh, one of the AIW shows I went out to was uh, November 2016, the first night of the Double Dare tournament. Uh, you can go back and watch this on Jerry's uh, Internet Wrestling Emporium. But uh, I had a great interaction with uh, Biggins, and we were totally hating on Kalisto, <laughs> who uh, they tell the story in an early episode of The Card is Going to Change, where Kalisto, one year for the J-Lit, uh, did not show up and basically beat AIW for a $40 Megabus ticket. So uh, I remember going to, like, house shows, bringing the signs that would say, like, Kalisto owes AIW 40 bucks, and, like, I'm still blocked to this day by uh, Free Stuff Manny. Anyway, so um, Hawkins said, or I, said or I have to ask Hawkins next time I see him, but uh, Brian Myers, I should say. But uh, further episode on the card is going to change. They mentioned that that uh, debt was purchased by an unnamed, that $40 debt was purchased by an unnamed WWE superstar. I bet Hawkins knows. I'll have to ask him next time. Uh, love you guys. Love the show. Love you all time. Uh, get wrecked, boss. You guys uh, know, I actually saw that, uh, the bump with, uh, John Thorne. Yeah. Yeah. John told me a day ahead of time. Cause he had to record something to send in. Um, when they find out, they found out that Johnny and, uh, Steen were going to be on. Uh, it was really cool. Those two guys have really good chemistry. Um, I'm glad they're putting them together on the bump. I'd really love to see them together as like something on TV. Um, Panda Express. Panda Express, right. Uh, break all those shirts out of storage. Uh, I was there for the recording of those promos that were in the basement of Turner's Hall. Oh, wow. And the match, you know, the, the match never happened because, you know, Steen mentions on the thing that he ended up like getting injured or he missed a flight or whatever it was. 
And then the next time that he would have been able to, he got signed by WWE. So he couldn't do it, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, those guys are good. Like whatever Johnny's, you know, blocked me on Twitter and, you know, I, I talked to some people that I don't think Steen likes me, but that's cool. Um, <laughs> I still like him. I'm still a fan. You know, there's no, if somebody doesn't like me because of me, like, I'm like, I just have to deal with it. You know? Yeah. Um, if somebody doesn't like me because of a misunderstanding or like some sort of perceived slight or, you know, they were jerks to my wife or a friend and I kind of shit on them for being jerks to my wife or my friend. And then you don't like me because of that, then you can go fuck yourself forever. Yeah. Well, um, so if, you, if you didn't want to like have uh, Kevin Owens not like you, you shouldn't have tried to get somebody fired backstage at Jakar. That's true. Somebody who was working for free, I should have tried to get them fired. Yeah. yeah. Fucking diva. <laughs> I know what a piece of shit I am. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Uh, Thanks, Kenny. Yes. Next call. Hey, fellas, it's uh, Kyle G here, a.k.a. old Claudio Sharpshooter, now a uh, pro wrestling fan. Um, I just wanted to let everybody know uh, I have launched uh, com today, a new uh, wrestling blog dedicated to uh, what I feel is kind of an underserved portion of wrestling media in the 2022 landscape, which is basically spotlighting all the men, women, and people uh, who do the work every day to make sure that we have fun shows to go to and people to wrestle, places for people to wrestle, uh, et cetera. Uh, so if you could take a look at my uh, new article, which I posted today, it's called Pro Wrestling is Magic. It's the first piece. Uh, if you would check it out, I would really very much appreciate it. Uh, thank you guys so much for everything you guys do uh, for getting the word out uh, about pro wrestling. And I hope you all have a wonderful day. So we're just letting people call in and plug their shit now. Is that what we're doing out, Joe? Yes. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. No, I, I've, I've known Kyle for almost 25 years. Um, uh, so he had contacted me ahead of time. He asked me if it would be okay if he called in and left a plug for the thing. Oh, I'm like, absolutely. Um, I know you're, you know, you're being you, right? What? Uh, but like Kyle is, is and has been a lifelong wrestling fan. And the thing that he wrote up is just kind of like the last couple weeks of his experiencing professional wrestling, kind of mm -hmm. starting with the LVAC Steel Stack Smackdown show, uh, leading up to the wrestling that ran at the furry convention that Ed was at this past week. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like pretty much all the stuff that kind of in between that and how that kind of like sparked like, the magic and the positivity that wrestling could bring. And he kind of gets into like the varieties of this. And he had mentioned he's relaunching NEPA wrestling.com. Right. Mm. Uh, so there's a site that was around like in the early days of the internet. I say early days, of the internet, like 2001, 2002. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if I've ever made the joke on here in regards to like, Oh, so-and-so that's the main event of my dream WrestleMania. The one where all the fans leave, they lock the door, they burn the building down with them still in the ring. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, uh, that comes from an interview that Kyle did for NEPAWrestling.com back in the early 2000s with Steve Carino. And the person <laughs> that Steve Carino was talking about was Mike Quackenbush. <laughs> okay. Uh, so it's just one of those things that kind of became like memed up, like on like in our little circle of friends and the bigger that we can make that, the better, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let, you know, lay in again, listen, if you want to focus on who said it and who they were about, you know, 22 years on, maybe they're in the right, you know, 
<laughs> uh, but it's still just a funny thing that, like, you know, the dream WrestleMania thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, go check out Kyle's stuff. Uh, hopefully, more and more stuff. Like, he literally launched it like this afternoon as we're recording this, you know? Yeah, I'm actually just taking a look at my phone. I'm pretty sure we retweeted it. And if we haven't, we will in the future. Yep. You know? All right. Well, while you're looking at that next call. Hey, guys. Kevin here. So I'm reading uh, Adam's tweets about the football schedule. <laughs> and. You know, I, I, it looks like Adam wants to do some negotiating. I guess we should have expected that coming. But out of curiosity, is there anything that Joe would want to watch so much he would cancel, put off, um, postpone, whatever, the regular at odds recording? Not, you know, not family commitment, not medical emergency, nothing like that. Much like Adam with football, just something movie or TV show that you have to watch that night and can't do another night. But Joe, is there anything as important as Adam finds football to be? That's it for this week. Looking forward to the show, guys. Bye. Short answer, no. Oh, Mr. Commitment and Obligation here. And right. So, okay, so Kevin put the caveat. Um, not family related, okay? Yeah. If it's something for my wife or something for my kid or something for another family member, this is getting canceled. This is getting postponed. This is getting rearranged. Right. Mm -hmm. But if it's something for me and me alone, the show comes first. It, not like I know he probably framed it as like a watching like on television, but like there's not like a live event or something that you would choose over the podcast. I'm going to Adam, like I'm going to give you a or something. I'm going to give you a perfect example, okay? Yeah. Uh, coming up here in the next couple weeks, I don't know the day offhand because if I know the day, then it'll haunt me, okay? It already does haunt me. At the Mahoning Drive-In, uh, they are doing a 35-millimeter screening of the horror movie Pieces. Pieces is maybe one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Uh pre-pandemic up at the uh, Circle Drive-In is the one up in Dixon City? That is correct. They were going to do some other fly-by-night group was going to do a double header of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Pieces. Maybe my two favorite horror movies of all time. And they canceled it, right? Because they were a fly-by-night operation. And I'm like, I'll never get a chance to see either one of these movies in a drive-in where these movies are supposed to be seen. And they're doing pieces. It's on a Tuesday night. Okay. I can't do a Tuesday night. I do a podcast on Tuesday nights. Eh, I could take your spot. Todd has already offered. We're like, oh, no, we could reschedule. We could record a different day, whatever, whatever. But now, for my, because of my enjoyment, I would be putting Todd out that he would have to rearrange his schedule so that he would have to record on a different day. I can't do that. You're grossly overestimating the amount of inconvenience that you're putting into people. I, I can't do it. <laughs> like I, whatever's inside of me won't let me do it. All right. I mean, I get you. I, I'm glad I don't have that problem. Right. So, uh, this, this coming week is the first of many. Just think Joe, Baseball playoffs are coming up, too. <laughs> oh, really? Are the Yankees in it officially? I thought I, I keep seeing the board tweet out that they're out. Oh, no. Boar is currently on the World Series is back on. That's where he's Gotcha. At. 
I have never been on the World Series is on train. Uh, I am just now willing to concede that the Yankees will make the playoffs. Uh, I'm not willing to admit that they'll go any further. But, uh, yeah, that's all coming up. So uh, we'll see. There's going to be a, a cornucopia of guest stars over the coming weeks and months. <laughs> uh, line up, everybody. Yeah. I it's gonna, uh, I was going to say, like, when Steve Guy is replaced by uh, Pat. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get to the next call. It's the sepia button there, Adam. Oh. Hey, Joe. Hey, Vansky. Your undisputed sepia button holder, Big Sue here. And, and Vansky, if I if I don't call in from time to time, don't worry about it. I'm going to hold down this damn button. <laughs> but, gentlemen, I went to a show this past weekend, uh, NAPCON All Pro in Indianapolis, where I ended up being the timekeeper, which is something I hadn't done in a while. Uh, but it kind of reminded me of a story of a timekeeping incident that went bad. Back about 12 years ago at Insanity Pro in Indianapolis, we brought in currently serving a suspension at the time for uh, choking Justin Roberts with a tie, the American Dragon Brian Danielson, and he was to take on, well... The Flor- Florida man, he who must not be named. Yeah, less spoken of him, the better. So the, so the match was going on. I was the timekeeper. And uh, come to the end of it, the referee counts one, two, three, calls for the bell, and I ring the bell. And there's a shit ton of confusion because I guess that wasn't supposed to be the end of the match. So the referee starts arguing, uh, the promoter comes out, makes sure... Anyway, long story short, the match gets restarted, and when the match gets restarted, because of all the confusion, he who must not be named ended up with a win over Brian Danielson, and uh, may or may not have been my fault, so that may be something I am... I am atoning for, for a long time. So, so all this story just to bring to me a question for me to bring a question to you. Do y'all have any good timekeeper messed up stories? <laughs> anyway, until next week, you gents have a great time. Regards. First of all, Sue, great call quality, top notch right there. That's, that's always that's always the best. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. I don't know, Joe. I don't have any good timekeeper stories. Do you? Uh, well, you know, obviously there's the story that we alluded to before and I've told on the show before where there was the uh, gentleman who was doing uh, assisting with sound at a Chikara show. He messed up a time cue, rang the bell on a super close false finish. That was a title change with uh, 2.0 and the Young Bucks. Um, again, it happens. Um, you know, um, as the time, so I don't think, so I'm going to say Sue didn't screw up. The referee screwed up. Okay. If the referee counts to three and calls for you to ring the bell as the timekeeper, it's your job to ring the bell. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but this guy who was doing, uh, uh, sound and the bell and everything else like that. So he just thought it was the end of the match because it was a super close three count. The referee doesn't call for the bell. He rings the bell. Everyone freaks out. He even hits the music to start playing. Um, 
And his story is that I that when he came over to get the belts off the commentary table, which the belts weren't on the commentary table, commentary table was on the other side of a gymnasium uh, from where he was to where I was, that when he came over to get the belts off the table, I cursed him out in front of the fans. And then I went backstage to attempt to get him fired from his free position of a student doing sound and ringing the bell at a Chikara event. Yep, big time spell stuff. Right. As Not only does that sound like a real thing that happened, uh, it definitely is something that he believes happened. Not that you can go on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium and watch the show and see none of that happen. Um, but anyway, uh, that's my timekeeper story. <laughs> Uh, again, I will just go back and just say, uh, Sue, I appreciate you uh, defending the sepia button. You know, I mentioned last week that you had to you had to make not necessarily weekly calls, but uh, the occasional call. And this was a good one. So thank you. Hey, he's going to Roman Reigns it. He'll call when he calls, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, last call, pink button time. I did not pre-screen this for quality, so we're taking a chance here. Angel and Adam, it's Ed. Um, I'm currently just out into my car about to leave for Cleveland for the matches. I'm going to go to the matches. Uh, i got to support the Razor man. He's the only person so far insane enough to uh, give me a chance to do commentary for professional wrestling. Um, I'm going to watch him win that golden boot. Hey, Eastern PA is nice. It's a nice place. you got nice people out there. Uh, you got weird Darby Allen cosplayers. We also got nice people. I got, I got to meet uh, uh, Kyle and Matt. Um... At Coffee Con East, a great time. Uh, I dressed like a cat girl. Uh, I said, well, this is a good time to, you know, take a pause in the soft sabbatical. And uh, before my panel, I had some drinks, which loosened me up enough to talk about Vince McMahon wanting to shove uh, crunched up leaves in his cousin's vagina. Uh, that apparently disturbed some people. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know if they want me to talk about this panel. That's what I chose to talk about. Um... Joe, like, when you went, you got one of those milkshakes. It cost a lot of money. So did I, but mine had Red Bull and uh, Fruit Punch and Orange Sherbet. It was really good. Um, but it's kind of a good week for me because everybody's talking about cocaine and wrestling, and I love both those things. So uh, I just want to know what your guys' favorite coke-out wrestling promo is. There's some classics. I really like when Doug Gilbert said that Jerry Lawler was a pedophile and Randy Hale smoked crack. Uh, <laughs> what a great call from Ed. I love when Ed calls in on this show. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that was an audible call, so that's that's a win. I, I'm glad Ed turned it around about his feelings about Eastern PA as he was driving and he was shitting on how there's nothing here. And then he said Popeye's was dry. Did he just eat the biscuit, maybe? Is that what it was? <laughs> maybe. Uh, I don't know. Uh, favorite coked out promo? Um, every Shawn Michaels promo? Well, Shawn was more pilled out than coked out, if we're going to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, see, the real, like, uh, and obviously the real era of coked out promos was the 80s, which was before you were watching, before wrestling existed. This is true. Um, you know, obviously there's the indie promos and stuff, like the one that, um... Ed mentioned that Doug Gilbert said about Jerry Lawler sleeping with underage girls and Randy Hale smoking crack. Now, I did not pre-screen this call, Adam, uh, but I actually do happen to have bookmarked my favorite coked-out promo. Of course you do. Go ahead. Because of course I do. Yeah. 
Now, a lot of times it's better to see the visual with this one as well, but I think you get the uh, the gist of everything that's going on. Uh, this is uh, SummerSlam 1989, one of the best wrestling shows of all time. Uh, after building up a program on primetime wrestling, uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper comes out and distracts Ravishing Rick Rude, costing him the Intercontinental title back to the Ultimate Warrior. Okay. Now, this is the post-match interview that Roddy Piper gives. Adam, you, like, the visual is one thing, but I'm going to ask you to do your best to keep up, okay? All right. Look at the World Wrestling Federation, and back in a big way. Roddy Roddy Piper, come on in. Bottoms up. A little celebrating for you here, I like Pete Rose, too. Next thing I'm going to do, I'm going to drive Voyager 3. That's what I'm going to do next. Roddy What's Piper. a Scotsman wear under his kilt? You're not asking me a question like, What's how a, would I know? What? How would you know? His shoes. I can get a little rude myself there, young fella. You want to have a party? I want to tell me something. The Heenan camp, who's running that? George Steinbrenner? Steinbrenner? Is that his uh, name? I think who's Bobby Heenan is still there? in control last time I checked. Bobby Heenan, the eunuch of the WWF. Everybody's got to pay the piper sooner or later. You want to play and have fun, rude? And... And now you ain't the champion no more, you know what? I thought you made such a <laughs> good cha- I can't be rude. A good champion, I thought you made him. My friend, the ultimate warrior, who is now standing out there, the intercontinental champion. And I suppose you're going to say it's my fault, you know? And I start thinking to myself, I say, of course it's my fault. Did you think I was going to let you get away with that? Kind of a bit of a rep myself, you know? Got a little reputation that I got to uphold. You think I ain't dealt with gorillas like you before? It's been wonderful to see you. A couple of things I'm going to do. I'm going to eat a garage. <laughs> and I'm going to watch some more of these matches. And, uh... <laughs> gonna get rude <laughs> all right only one of a kind you ain't kidding gene one of a kind yeah never blinked once uh he's gonna eat a garage and then he's, right, he's gonna, gonna eat a garage at the end <laughs> big sniff oh god uh so of, would lot. you believe i uh, would you believe and you're gonna be shocked i've never seen that before <laughs> i mean no i honestly i probably saw it when i actually like rented you know SummerSlam 89 on vhs like, sure 30 something years ago but that was the last time i saw it you know yes but that is like the that is the end all be all of coked out promos in my opinion it's my favorite wrestler growing up just off his goddamn tits on blow and i love it (laughs) and that's and i'll say this and there's been a lot of discussion it's okay to do cocaine if you're a wrestler it's not okay give me a written permission slip and i'll allow you to do cocaine Maybe we should be more concerned about what they're cutting the cocaine with on an independent wrestler's salary. A lot of questions, okay? Yeah. I'm going to say this to you as a professional wrestler. you got a line of cocaine laying out in front of you. You're about to snort some cocaine. I want you to watch that promo, okay? And then I want you to then think to yourself, am I going to be that cool <laughs> if I do this cocaine? The answer is probably going to be no. But I still say go ahead and do that cocaine either way. (laughs) You should be doing cocaine and steroids. But that's just me, right? Yeah. Fun fact, cocaine and steroids, if you take them as a combination, they offset each other's like side effects. So it's. Oh, they do. Yeah, I think that's the truth. Thank you, Dr. Adam. (laughs) 
think I read that somewhere. <laughs> so, hey, thanks to everyone for calling in. Uh, we don't mention it on the show enough, but we do tweet it out. Uh, call us 570-846-0897. Leave a message. Uh, you know, I don't know if you'll be able to leave all 36 roster members of your dream AEW 20% roster. Uh, you know, you can email the show. You can leave it in the comments. And we'll go through it. We'll make we'll we'll probably make funny of the decisions that you make of who you cut and who you don't. You know who you keep, right? Yeah. And somebody like take out like a phone and like figure out what our phone number can spell. You know, mm-hmm. like like Pod Van Dam is two oh nine Pete like Pod V Dam or something like that. Uh, I want to know what our number does. There's, there's nothing intentional, but it's got to spell something. So somebody let me know. I had a friend of wiki. I had a friend of mine growing up. Uh, you know, as we were like teenagers, late twenties, uh, his phone number, uh, was new Jack. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yes. Uh, like 10 years ago, Verizon had this thing where you were able to get vanity phone numbers. Oh and, boy. Uh, it was like an add on service and it would be, you would do star star would be how you dial it. And it could only work from cell phones, but my phone number was star star Adam van. So you could take out your cell phone, type star star Adam van, and it would go to me. Uh, but then they discontinued it because it's like, I fucking, I guess there was four people in the country that signed up for it. And I was one of them, but uh, yeah, pretty cool. Because it was a scam that nobody bid on except for you and three other dopes. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you could just program the person's phone number into your phone and name it, whatever you want. Or, and then just search that name, and then you'll just dial it? Or if you're meeting somebody and you give them your phone number, you'd be like, star, star, Adam Van. Much cooler. I guess. That's, that's if you're meeting people, and you know how that goes for me. I don't meet nobody. Yeah, that's fair. Me neither. Not anymore. <laughs> All right. But again, thank you, everyone, to call. Let's get into homework. Oh. <laughs> Joe, so you assigned me some homework this past week, and it was bits and pieces of two different Chikara shows, including an event center. Uh, so these were basically previewing Chikara World Tag Grand Prix, or yeah, Tag World Grand Prix, something like that, from 2013? Correct. Uh, so it was the event center uh, leading up to night two. It was one match from night one, and I would say like uh the last three fourths of night two yep yep so uh starting things off with the event center uh obviously like i said this is previewing the tag world grand prix with bryce we have a promo from icarus where he talks about icarus being serious business and colt cabana his opponent for the night two or event two uh colt's funny doesn't equal money uh, so nice little Icarus promo, other than the fact he looks like he's got a dead animal on his head. <laughs> that was intentional for heat. Yeah, oh, obviously. Um, next up, we have a promo from, uh, Archie and Archibald Peck. And Archie talks about, uh, the doppelgangers being a sign of bad things to come. Uh, he is worried that if he gets hit with a back fist 
from Eddie Kingston. He'll be sent back in time, you know, kind of paying off that storyline of how uh, he was able to survive the uh, Loser Leaves Chikara match. And he talks about Eddie Kingston being a little bit too attached to the Grand Championship. So uh, in and of itself, uh, an interesting promo. But uh, when you see how it's paid off, it, it makes a lot more sense. So one of your few good recommendations from an event center, Joe. Ah, I do my best to make sure that there are good promos, and I tell you um, who to skip and who to watch. I'm kidding, I know that, but this is one of them that was like most relevant. If that, yeah, of course. You know, like a lot of like the Icarus one was a fine promo, but if I didn't see it, it would have, I mean, really not meant anything to the overall story. For know? sure. But I feel like this one kind of plants some seeds and almost kind of completely spells out what's going to happen. Uh, but anyways, uh, as you mentioned, uh, were these? Two shows on the same day, like one was an afternoon and one of them was a night, or were they two different days? No, this was the same day. Um, so this was the test for what Chakar would do uh, in about a year and a half from now, where they, instead of doing uh, like a Saturday and a Sunday show at two different locations, they would go to one location and do an afternoon and evening show. Okay. Yeah, and two, obviously two different gates, right? Exactly. Okay, so all I had to watch from stage one, from show one, was the Baltic Siege of Thunderfrog and Proud Oak. Uh, Thunderfrog, who Kevin Hellions, in his write-up, Mask Library, uh, mentioned he never saw Thunderfrog, but he saw Thunderfrog at the Elvac show, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Correct, that's the same guy who's been Thunderfrog this whole time. Yeah, so pay attention, Kevin, God. Uh, so anyways, Baltic Siege versus the Young Bucks. Uh, Thunderfrog did the thing with the hammer, you know, the thing that Arthur MacArthur's been doing with the dumbbell since the 1890s. Uh, the Bucks obviously couldn't lift it. At one point, Matt Jackson teaches Proud Oak how to do a super kick. Uh, did not work out well for him. Uh, match ends with a spike tombstone on Proud Oak for the Bucks to win. Uh, I have not, this might be the first time I saw those two, uh, Thunderfrog and Proud Oak through the Chikar lens. You know, obviously through this rewatch, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I'm going to ask you, what was it about this match that what made it be included in this overall homework? You know, obviously it was a fun match, but obviously I skipped a lot of stuff. Why did I watch this? Um, so, yes, these are characters, as they mentioned, that have been appearing on like wrestling is fun and so on and so forth. Mm. Um, we might be seeing more of them in the future. Okay. And of without being the shoot trash that I am, being where your fandom in regards to certain Chikara characters, uh I I wanted to make sure that you got a chance to see Latvian Proud Oak on the main show. Hmm. Okay, I'm just gonna cut and paste Proud Oak from my notes, move it up to a the after show discussion, and we'll go from there. All right, fair enough. Um, so stage two, night two, second half of the first night, whatever. Uh, Joe, you said to skip uh basically the first 27 minutes of the show. Specifically, you say to skip the Young Bucks versus the Spectral Envoy of Hollow Wicked and Frightmare. Uh, my apologies to those two gentlemen. I guess Joe's not a fan of you. Uh, I would have watched it if Joe gave me permission. Uh, but we pick up at the 28-minute mark with Devastation Corporation versus the Colony, Fire Ant, and Green Ant. Uh, Sydney Bacabella, Impressive Cumberbund. Uh, we have Blaster McMassive. 
and FWF hardcore champion Maxwell Smashmaster, and the other guy who I'm just going to call Crush. Um, this is basically big guys squashing the ants for a little while, a little bit of a fiery comeback, lots of outside brawling. Eventually, you know, the ref is getting to the 20 counts. Crush interferes, leads to a double countout. Uh, Devastation Corporation then just kind of beats down the ants for a little while. Both teams are eliminated from the tournament. Uh, and whoever wins like the, the next match in the tournament is just going to get a bye. Uh, yeah. So obviously, you know, these are... You know, they've already beaten Devastation Corporation way too many times into their run at this point. Um, this makes sense for them to do a count-out finish here, um, you know, to favor the heels that are going to end up winning things. Um, the commentary team is Dave Prezak and Dr. Keith Lipinski, so it was very weird to hear th- uh, commentary without any Chikara presence on it whatsoever. Um, they do mention on commentary, because uh, this was the event where uh, they were much smaller iterations of them, but Bacabella over at the merch stand was selling uh, Sydney Bacabella and Devastation Corporation wrestling, buddy, wrestling buddies. Okay. I See, I heard that, and I don't, didn't know if they were making that up. No, so they, were, they were selling them. Uh, Keith Lipinski says to uh, Dave Prezak, that maybe they should look into getting some of them made for some of the wrestlers at Shimmer. Dave says, no, that would just be creepy. 13 years later, poor Chelsea. <laughs> That's true, but how do I get my hands on a Sidney Bacabella buddy? You could uh, you could tweet him and find out if he has any left. That, that carny son of a bitch, he would have sold that a long time ago. Yeah, he, he, listen, Sidney Bacabella merchandise goes very quickly, but I'm sure he, I'm sure he's got a couple in a couch cushion or in his garage underneath <laughs> some fucking foam goods, you know, if you're willing to pay the right price for it. Understandable. He's not saving them for whatnot. Yeah. Uh, I am looking at my hand-painted uh, Sidney Bacabella figure. It's sitting here on my desk, so uh, right. good merch, but... All right, cool. Anything else from that match, or should I move on? No, we're good. Go ahead. All right, so next up we have uh, Todd Roker's favorite tag team, ACDC, with Eric Cannon and Darren Corbin versus Pieces of Hate, Shard, and Jigsaw. Uh, This match was highlighted by uh, Corbin doing a slow-motion arm drag on Jigsaw, which just basically kicked off a bunch of slow-motion stuff, uh, like Shard doing a kick and reversal commentary was in slow motion the crowd was chanting this is awesome in slow motion with like slow clapping Uh, it's one of those things where if you don't like comedy wrestling you would absolutely hate that but i eat that shit up so i love that entire segment um corbin did uh after they went back to regular speed did a tope suicida onto the shard on the outside nearly just killing and obliterating a small kid uh and almost taking out a little girl um, that was interesting, and the match ended with a jig and tonic on Corbin for the win. Uh, I like this match a lot. Um, I like all four of these dudes a bunch, so obviously my idea is skewed a little bit. Um, you know, so it's and it's so weird. Um, I'm okay with all the jokes and the haha and Chuck Taylor's grenade and the slow mo spots and everything else like that, but me watching like i don't like watching stuff that i do commentary on in the first place so i was really bothered by me doing slow-mo commentary on slow-mo stuff you know 
let me ask you this. Uh, was Because, again, I don't know anything about anything. Was this the uh, first time, the slow motion stuff, or was that just somebody in ACDC's bit? Uh, no, no. Darren Corbin would do that a bunch uh, early on in his career and then just kind of bring it back from here to there. And then other people kind of co-opted it. I think there was even a match early on uh, in Chikara, maybe like 06 or 07, where a vi- like a 12-year-old Ethan Page does <laughs> slow-mo spots with uh, Donst in the singles match. Gotcha. Okay. It, did Darren Corbin ever pull the slow-motion stuff on Orange Cassidy? Because then it would look like Orange Cassidy is not even moving. No, I don't think he did, but that's a good idea. Yeah, all right, cool. But, yeah, I, I mean, I like that match a lot. I like the again, I, I like comedy shtick, so I enjoyed that. And it was a good match, you know, beyond that. So, uh, Speaking of things that Joe loves, next up we had the Young Bucks versus the Batiri. Um, Matt Jackson is apparently hurt from a previous match. How did it happen? I'll never know. I wasn't allowed to watch the purse after the show. <laughs> Um, Batiri, uh, end up biting Matt's leg. Like it's a post pay-per-view scrum fight. Um, Matt counters a spinning toehold into an inside cradle for the win. So, uh, the young bucks are, are hurt, but are advancing. So, you know, as we've watched this Chikara stuff, uh, as I've assigned it, you know, the, the bucks have been kind of positioned as like super heels throughout like the course of this run. Yeah. And it was over the course of this weekend with them playing along with the Baltic Siege and the comedy stuff, uh, doing kind of like not fully heel, uh, you know, against the Spectral Envoy in the match that I didn't allow you to watch. And then again in this where Matt is super selling the leg, uh, it's essentially turning them babyface for the weekend, right? Yeah. Um, I will say this. Um, so Nick at one point comes in and is a house of fire running wild on both members of the Batiri. And, uh, the way that Nick's hair looked <clears throat> and the way that the camera was shooting him just at a couple quick glances, he looked like, uh, the redheaded rebel himself, uh, Heath Slater. Ooh, baby. Who's, That's right. Who's Lucy? All right. Uh, next up we have Icarus. Versus- oh no. Wait, wait. You're missing something. What am I missing? So, uh, because... Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, because the Colony of the Devastation Corporation got a bu- went to a no contest, pieces of hate get a buy. Yeah, and they come out and have their hands raised. <laughs> they do their full entrance, come all the way out to the ring with music, and make Bryce raise their hand to advance to the finals, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the first time that I ever saw that was WrestleMania 4 when one man gang got a buy in the tournament because Rude and Jake Roberts went to a time limit draw. Mm. Now, obviously, it's different coming out of the Logan Square Auditorium versus the fucking Asbury Park Convention Center uh, where WrestleMania 4 was, where fucking Slick and one man gang come out, do the full entrance to Jive Soul Bro, Come out to the ring. They do the introduction. They raise one man gang's hand, and then they play the music and they leave. Such a fantastic shit heel move to do. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that, but that that's actually pretty funny. All right. So next up, match wise, we have Icarus versus Scott Colton. 
Uh, Icarus takes his jacket off uh, really early, but Colton does everything in his power to cover up the tattoo with uh, his towel and even so much as like kind of drapes himself over Icarus's back. Uh, commentary during this match talks about some stuff that I might have missed, uh, including Sugar Dunkerton being fired, which is no big deal, but also uh, Johnny Gargano quitting. So uh, Icarus is on his own, uh, and I didn't know these circumstances, so explain that to me in a second. Uh, Icarus uses a towel to blind and then choke uh, choke out Colt. Uh, and then they do things for a while until Icarus pedigrees uh, Colt Cabana for a surprising win. So um, Johnny quit on the uh, North Carolina show that we watched a couple weeks ago. It was a four on four. It was all four members of Fist against all four members of Spectral Envoy. And there was the big walking out. Well, and he's like, hey, well, and Johnny's like, well, that's it. I quit. And he leaves. He quit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I thought um, the sugar getting fired was an event center. Maybe that happened in between the Georgia show that we skipped in this show. Okay. Um, yeah. you did miss, um, you did miss me saying on commentary that Colt is Chicago's favorite son. <laughs> no, I heard that. I just freaking forgot to write it down. Okay. <laughs> um, very strange. Of course. I can't imagine how Colt must've felt being in his hometown and having half the crowd cheer for his opponent. That must've been a real weird feeling. <laughs> Never to be seen again, yeah. Also, uh, I do like the bit in Cabana's entrance here where that he, they say from Maxwell Street and they give the zip code. It's like they're like two steps away from like giving like the exact GPS coordinates to the studio. Apartment. <laughs> and do, do I tell the sh- Have I told the story on the show? Hmm. I don't know, but it's safe. Let's. You know what? Um, let's finish the show, and then I got a story to tell you about this show. Okay, fair enough. Uh, okay. So next up, we have, uh, honestly, what I was looking forward to most on this entire show, which is your grand champion, Eddie Kingston versus Archibald Peck. Uh, before the match, we have a promo from Eddie, and uh, he's pissed off. He's pissed off that music is playing while he's trying to record it. It's just that is becoming a joke. Uh, but the belt brings him peace even though it makes him hurt people and he sleeps well knowing it's there. It's a fucking great promo. Like Eddie, Eddie, all of a sudden like this, uh, having to defend the title show after show after show, while it was originally designed to, uh, get the belt off of him, uh, maybe an unintended consequence. It seems to be, uh, maybe bringing out a different side of Eddie Kingston, which, uh, I, like, I love that promo. That was pretty good. Uh, that, that's how you do a good promo. That's a promo that should have tweets with fire emojis, not, uh, something else that I saw this week. Um, but anyways, Eddie's coming out and he's getting a spattering of booze for his 13th title title defense. Uh, we get a back and forth match for a little while. The crowd seems to be like really behind Archie, uh, which was interesting. Uh, eventually it's just Kingston punishing Archibald Peck. Um, Archie ends up hitting his new move three times. It's not a DDT. It just looks like it. Um, eventually, Archie ducks a back fist from Eddie Kingston, and he hits uh, Eddie Kingston with three of his own back fists. So that was a cool little spot. Archie goes for a springboard on the ropes, but he's distracted by somebody up on the uh, balcony, and it's his doppelganger, Joe. Uh, it's another uh, version of Archie. Uh, standing up there where the crowd isn't in the full uh, marching band regalia. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously Archie goes to jump and, uh, he's hit with the back fist in midair. Uh, so Arch, excuse me. So Eddie Kingston hits Archibald Peck with the back fist to the future and the lights go out. The lights go out. The lights come back on and Archie is gone. Uh, Bryce Remsburg goes to look for him. Uh, can't find him. The match is a no contest. Eddie Kingston wins. Archibald Peck is presumably sent back in time, which is the greatest thing ever. Uh, after the match, uh, the crowd is chanting, New York sucks, New York sucks. And uh, people from Chicago eat bowls of soup and call it pizza, so they have uh, no opinions <laughs> that I, I respect. Um, but Eddie grabs a mic after kind of throwing some chairs and a garbage can into the ring. Uh, he calls them ungrateful, fickle, two-faced pieces of crap. And he's the grand champion, whether you like it or not. And I think Eddie Kingston just turned full-blown heel. And uh, that almost buries the fact that Archibald Peck just did time travel. uh, And all of that was awesome. Uh, So I love that. Should have been the main fucking event. Because how do you top that? But, you know, whatever. It was awesome. Uh, Yeah, you said everything that I wanted to say about that match. That's, That's, yeah. It was a lot of fun. And obviously, once we started doing these shows... And then you had this affinity toward Archibald Peck and Mixed Marshall Archie and the Mysterious and Handsome Stranger and all this stuff, right? Yeah. The whole time, I know we, I knew we were coming to this moment. <laughs> so it's like every time that you're like, oh, man, I'm loving all this Archie stuff. And I'm like, just you fucking wait. <laughs> I will throw this out there, okay? Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, at the time that this was going on, Archibald Peck was also in Ring of Honor. Okay, uh, he was Packer as no thing? as Barrister R. D. Evans. Okay, uh, he was part of like so. Um, it was him, Stokely Hathaway, and Veda Scott, like as a group, all managing Moose. Oh, okay. Two out. Okay, it was a different time. Okay. But due to whatever was going on in in Ring of Honor at the time, they would bring in like weird legends and stuff. And one of the weird legends that they had brought in was for a period of time was Kevin Sullivan, right? Okay. It was for this BJ Whitmer, Steve Carino program that was going on, and uh, Kevin Sullivan was there. So an idea was pitched to Kevin Sullivan, and Kevin Sullivan agreed upon it, but the timetable never worked out that. If Archie was to come back, it was going to be a series of Dungeon of Doom-esque vignettes. If you remember the ones where it's the master calling to Kevin Sullivan, he's like, Sullivan, come to me, my son. Yeah, yeah. It was going to be Kevin Sullivan as the master calling to Archie to bring him back. Okay. And he was going to be going, Archie, with the boss, with the thick Boston accent. And I'm not going to do the Archie act. I'm not going to do the Boston accent. I'm going to do the Masters accent. He's going to be, Archibald, come to me, my son. And to hear Archie, like, pitch these things, like, tell me and others him pitching this stuff to Kevin Sullivan and Kevin Sullivan being like, yeah, brother, I'll do it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it just never, like, the timetable never worked. But it was, like, it was pitched. It was agreed upon. It just never happened, sadly. That's awesome. All right, I'm going to ask you a question. All right. I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna try to be like as as safe and spoiler free with this as I can. But okay. I, I, I need to know this. Do I get any more Archibald Pack 
of any way, shape, or form, or is just this just done? Yes. Yes to the first question? You only get to ask the question once. No, I want clarity. So I'm getting more of something, right? Yes. Okay, that's all I want to know. I just, like, if you had said, like, I just, if there was no more reference to this storyline, and you don't, I'm, I'm not asking a question here, I'm just thinking out loud. If there was no more Archibald Peck, no more reference to any of this, and he just went on to, as you say, Ring of Honor, and it was never mentioned again, like, I would be sad, only because, like, without asking you, I'd be, I would be waiting for it to happen as we watch Jakar, so... As long as there's something somewhere, uh, all right, I'm good with that. If that yes. Works. Fair enough. Okay. All right. If this was just their way of writing them off altogether, then I'd be big mad. But all right. Again, I just want to reiterate, I loved all of this main event. I love the Eddie Kingston stuff. Uh, if he's going to go on to become a fucking heel, I love that too. I want to see it. Uh, it was awesome. And again, fuck Chicago. Um, anyways, main event, Pieces of Hate versus the Young Bucks. Uh, again, we have established that Matt Jackson's knee is hurt, so pieces of hate are isolating it. Leonard F. Chikarson is noticeably worried about Matt's well-being. Uh, Nick eventually gets the hot tag, springboard somersaults out, out of the ring onto both opponents. Leonard F. Chikarson says the Bucks are really showing him something that he's never seen in them, so he's impressed. Uh, we get a four-way super kick between all four competitors, which knocked them all out, which was... Uh, if you hate super kicks, you won't like it, but I enjoyed that spot. Eventually, Matt's leg cannot support the more bang for your buck attempt, uh, leading the shard to tap out Matt uh, Jackson with the ankle lock. So the shard and Jigsaw are your Chikar Grand Tag Team Hullabaloo Palooza champs. They win Tag World Grand Prix, and on the route to doing so, they now have three points toward contention for the, cha- the Campeonato's Day Parejas, yes. Uh, don't they have four, I believe? Well, again, yes, they have four, but they have at least three. Yeah, exactly. See, Joe, who's the historian here? Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, a, a fine main event, again, like you said, playing off the fact that the ba- uh, the uh, Bucks were getting sympathetic babyface heat. Uh, but it's hard to have that match follow the just the chaos of the, uh, the Grand Championship match. You know what I'm saying? Obviously... You're watching a, a show that's based around a tag tournament. The tag tournament finals should go on last. It's just there's a lot of shit going on in that Kingston Archibald Peck match. So it's kind of hard to to stay up from it, you know? Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the the final and you know, Jigsaw and the Shard did very well. I thought I liked all their matches. Uh yeah, so I, I get what you're saying, and I think um your two main event matches are kind of like downers for the crowd, right? Whether it be an indecisive thing where a guy gets fucking sent back to time, back in time or the <laughs> heels go over, right? Yeah. So what do you do to end the show? Like, do you have a decisive, like, clear-cut winner or do you have the question finish where a guy disappears, right? Um, so, again, you make that decision. You hope for the best. I, I, hindsight being twenty twenty, armchair quarterback, all that sort of shit. I get where you're coming from. I do. Yeah. And again, it's not like, oh, man, the show sucked because of the order. I'm just saying, again, hindsight 2020, I would have flipped them. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, it was a fun show. Like, I enjoyed it. Like, uh, I'm not a, a huge fan of tag tournaments. You know, if I was forced to watch both shows in its entirety, I would have been fucking miserable. Uh, <laughs> but what I did see, I liked. So, And that's why I didn't have you watch the whole show. <laughs> 
<laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, so, so, Joe, is this the part where I get to assign homework? No, I get to tell a story. I, I oh. teased a story. I may have told the story on the show before, but if I didn't, um, if I if I've told the story before, it's been a while. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, so, um. With these afternoon and evening shows, as they would come to be, there's people that are just on the afternoon show, or there's people that are just on the evening show, so people are coming and going at different times during the course of the day. Um, do I name... Again, I'm not going to name names, okay? Do it, coward. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to preface this and say, uh, this was the beginning of me maybe thinking that Colt Cabana is not a nice person. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, he and I have kind of ironed our uh, ironed our shit out. We're cool now. Um, I didn't get a call. We didn't get a call in the voicemail from the Bucks or a call in the voicemail from Punk. So I'm not publicly stating which side I'm on. <laughs> okay. So I get to the show and I see Colts there, right? And they had just announced, um, because you know I listen to a lot of podcasts and. Uh, I say uh, they just announced that Cabana was going to be on Mark Marin's podcast like next the following week, right? And I go up to him like, oh, hey, you know, doing my, you know, saying, going high, saying to people. And uh, I say to him like, oh, hey, what's going on, man? I go, hey, I go, I just heard they announced it on the show um, that you're going to be on Mark Marin next week. And he goes, yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm like, yeah, no shit, man. I go, I go, you were on that show. You were on this show. And like, all you got to do is be on like this other show and like, You've hit like every big podcast that there is. Mm-hmm. And he goes, those other shows fucking suck. And he walks away from me. <laughs> okay. No problem. Uh, I would later learn that when people were setting up their merch for the show, um, he was going around to some of like maybe the lower end guys in the card and clearing shit off their table and just throwing it on the floor to make room for his stuff. So uh, this show is where a majority of the roster officially found out that Chikara, as we know, it would be going on a bit of a hiatus. Okay. Okay. Uh, There were shows that were announced all through the summer, and they were purposely announced in one places that Chikara had never been before, and two places that either get no or the least amount of merch ever sent to them. Okay. Okay. And like some people knew, but this was where like everyone was officially told like what the big storyline going forward for the summer was going to be. Right. Hmm. So shows wrapping up. I'm waiting for the rest of my car ride to finish up and I'm sitting in the locker room and I'm just chatting with people, whoever it is. And, uh, Cabana says to me, it's just in the, in this little area, this little corner of the locker room, it's just me, Cabana and quack. Okay. And Cabana says to me, and he's like, uh, he goes, so uh, I take it you uh, like to be a big internet meanie weenie, huh? And I say, excuse me? And he goes, uh, what's your problem with pro wrestling tees? And I go, well, telling a story. Earlier in the summer, pro wrestling tees announced that they were going to do a reprint of the Larry Sweeney sweet and sour macho man shirt, right? And they said that a proceed of the shirt was going to go to a charity, right? Mm-hmm. Now, at the time, 2013, um, pro wrestling t-shirts were 
Okay. Mm-hmm. This shirt was $30 with a portion, an unnamed portion of the profits of this shirt going to this charity. Okay. Now, I'm not going to say that I was the first one to give them shit online for trying to fucking run a scam off Larry Sweeney's thing. But I'm definitely the one who got it to the attention of Chris Hero, who shamed them to change the price back down to $25 for the shirt. And to say that all the proceeds for the shirt would be going to this charity. Yeah, instead, like... Instead of getting like a portion of a portion on yeah. like an overpriced shirt, you were... so I tell this to Cabana. Yeah, I don't know what Cabana's stake in the company is, right? Yeah. So he goes, "Okay, okay. Well, why don't you fucking lay off them anyway?" And leaves the room. <laughs> Dude, and again, I I just want to I want to interject here. How cool is CM Punk? Like, CM <laughs> Punk is, like, his whole press conference, we should be praising him universally, man. That guy is just, he hates all the very hateable people, which means he's just cool. So, fucking Team Punk, I know you won't declare your allegiances, but I will. Fucking Phil, you're good with me. Well, let me check uh, the voicemail to see if he's called in. He hasn't called in yet. All right, but yeah, fucking Scott Colton, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, And I'll say this, um... You know, this wasn't the first time that Cabana was a jerk to me, but this was like maybe like the seventh or eighth time that he was. And it made me like kind of like say to some other like mutual friends, I'm like, is it me or is it this? And then that's when all the stories flooded in of uh, Cabana being a jerk to a whole bunch of other people in the business, right? Mm-hmm. And. When he and I buried our hatchet, I told him this story, and he goes, oh, man, I'm really sorry about that. I go, oh, no, no, there's there's more. So I went, I told him all the other times previous to this that he was a jerk to me, and he did feel bad, and he did apologize, and we kind of squashed whatever there was. Um, But, yeah, you know, so when people are, you know, when Ed tells a story that Cabana said that he was skinny, Mm -hmm. I could relate. (laughs) And how fucking lame is Cole Cabana's theme music? That boom, boom, Cole Cabana. It's fucking dumb. God. Anyways. <laughs> so, uh, Adam, you said you were about to assign homework? Yeah, let's, let's do this. I, it's, it's my turn, right? Nope. Well, it's your turn if you were here next week, but you're not here next week. Let's. So I did reach out to uh, my co-host for next week. It'll be a surprise. Um, but And they did pick a show for us to watch for next week. And we are jumping a little ahead in the timeline. Okay? Uh, so we are watching night two uh, of Chikara King of Trios 2015. Uh, so I'll run down the card. Uh, Jaka uh, taking on Ashley Remington. Uh, Daniel Maloney, Trent Seven, and Tyler Bate taking on Juan Francisco, Mr. Azerbaijan, and the proletariat boar of Moldova. Hey, I know that guy. Uh, Shinron taking on Amasis, Matt Cross, and Two Cold Scorpio. Uh, Aerostar, Drago, and Phoenix, uh, taking on Frightmare, Hollow Wicked, and Silver Ant. Uh, Scott Jagged Parker and Shane Matthews teaming up with Hype Rockwell and Race Jackson uh, to take on the Flying Francis's, who I have no idea who the fuck they are, 
uh, and Arctic Rescue and Orbit Adventure Ant. Uh, then we have AJ Styles, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson taking on Kevin Condren, Lucas Calhoun, and Missile Assault Man. Uh, Mark Andrews taking on Mascara Purpura, Ophidian, and Pinky Sanchez. And in the main event, all three members of the Devastation Corporation taking on the arcane horde of Kodama, Oberion, and Oleg the Usurper. Is this the King of Trios that I was at? Yes. Okay. So, but, but what night was this? Is this this night is night one? two. You went to night three, correct? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm I was at the finals. So yes, like, this I'm, is night two. The setup for the finals. Okay. Because I'm recognizing like a lot of the names, but right. obviously it's mixed up a little bit because it's the the previous night. Okay. So you're skipping ahead in Shakara because this mystery co-host. Whoever it is who can definitely never fill my shoes uh, suggested it. Are we going back? Is there stuff that you wanted to cover that happens before this? Or is this just the new timeline that we're skipping? No, we're just going to watch this and do with it what we will. Okay, and then going back to whatever the the pre-planned timeline was. Yeah, this doesn't fuck too much up with what we're watching currently. Okay. Um. Maybe I'll call a voicemail next week and I'll assign uh, the show homework for them. Yeah, that's what you have to do. You have to call in and leave your uh, your assignment on the voicemail next week. All right, I'll make a note. Voicemail homework. All right, fair enough. Okay. And uh, I'll throw it out here. Of course, uh, you know we'd mentioned a couple of these Chikara shows and a couple of the of the the events that we talked about are on uh, Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Uh, a.k.a. independentwrestling.tv, promo code at odds, new subscriber. Doesn't get you anything extra, but it lets Jerry know that you came to us, uh, came to him from us. Uh, we get a little bit of a kickback the longer that you keep your subscription with them. T Public Store's uh, sale is going on as we speak, 35% off all designs up until Sunday. Uh, get your at odds, cell phone covers, notebooks, tapestries this weekend at 35% off. Yeah, and I saw there's a, uh... Not that I want to, you know, shill somebody else's merch because you should buy our merch first. But if you do have money left over, there's a No Chance in Helmet shirt. That oh, yeah, that's right. A No Chance in Helmet shirt went up. And uh, you could also help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link. It's in the show notes to every single one of these episodes, no matter where it is that you get the episodes. Does not cost you anything extra. They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee because if it wasn't for us, you wouldn't know that Amazon exists. I called it a thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past this week include the Pixaku compatible with Pixel 6 Pro case, Google Pixel 6 Pro case, tough, rugged, shockproof, protective cover for Google Pixel 6 Pro in black. <laughs> It's another one of those where I think they could have definitely saved a couple words, but uh, I I like that it's tough and rugged, just like me. <laughs> yeah, just uh, well, I was th- you we were you uh, you said what we were all thinking, Adam. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I'd like to think that this was inspired by our discussion last week of me getting uh, the cases at a marked up rate at the Verizon store for my phone and my kid's new phone. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that uh, Puxico or Puxico cases are much more than ten dollars. <laughs> right. <laughs> But uh, 
Uh, you know, some things that are much more than $10, Joe, and that's these podcasts that you should listen to. And those podcasts are Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Hit My Music, Porch Talk, Viewer's Choice, WWE War, Wrestling Cheers, At Odds with Football, IWTV Guide, Pod Van Dam, Wings on Wings, Between the Sheets, If You Catch My Grift, No Chance in Helmet, and one time only, eventually you should check out the episode of The A Show featuring me and Arthur MacArthur. Who knows when that's going to film? It's not the most organized show on the planet. But uh, that's it for Plug Show. Film. It's going to be on reel to reel. You know what? By the time it gets around to recording, it'll probably be on some kind of like holographic format because it'll be like 10 years from now. Sure. Yeah. Not that I'll be alive then the way I am, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me go smoke. Anyways, I think that that's probably it for the regular show, Joe. Yep, it's time for Adam's favorite part of the show. Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. But I'm the $100 Vansky. Your figures will be bought. <laughs> Joe, uh, I I assume you have a lot of purchases this week. Uh, actually, I have none. Uh, I'll get mine out of the way. I teased it last week that we were in the market for a new lawnmower. Uh-huh. Uh, we were looking at several different ones, and we were just kind of like rubbing our chin, like, eh, "What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do?" Right? And then we were talking because uh, we have like the old, the two old lawnmowers and an old uh, weed whacker in the shed, and uh, we were talking about it uh, in front of my father-in-law. He had mentioned that he has one that he had been working on that he'll just give us. If we let him take the other two and the weed whacker for parts for stuff that he's working on. So sometime this weekend, we're getting another makeshift one that's going to hold us over for another couple seasons until I have to plunk down like $500 on a lawnmower. Nice. uh, I guess, yeah, we were talking about that last week or whatever. My landscaper finally showed up after like a month and a half. So my lawn got mowed, too. So, oh, my landscaper. Yeah, I fucking don't mow my own lawns. I'm, I'm a fucking fancy gentleman. You pay money to do that. You know? I guess. Sort of All right. But, uh, uh, I, I guess otherwise you're just saving money for uh, tomorrow's p- 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 power town update, right? Nah. Again, there's no t- if there was a talking Vern Gagne doll <laughs> that uh, critiqued and insulted all of your other dolls uh, and or a Greg Gagne doll that was, um, let's say, physique accurate <laughs> and said motherfuck you son of a bee then i would buy that doll yeah all right so no power town preview or uh orders for uh next week's at odds huh Ooh, when i call at odds i have to go do my weekly purchases you have to do your weekly purchases and you have to do your homework that's right okay all right cool um all right uh oh yeah signing my homework i was like i have to talk about the homework no i'm not doing that all right anyways uh I don't have a huge week, but I have a couple purchases, Joe. Um, I'm going to ask you this question to start things off, because I'm going to try to be brief. Uh, Joe, what is the greatest movie trilogy of all time? 
Uh, well, there's only one pieces. There's 19 <laughs> Texas Chainsaws, and they don't count. Uh, what is or what do you think is? Uh, I mean, what definitively is? Back to the Future. Uh, obviously. All right. So, yes, Back to the Future, the definitive greater, greatest trilogy it ever made. Uh, they released another NECA figure this past week. Uh, it was, for now, exclusive to Target. Uh, I did my little opportunity where I ordered enough stuff to get the free shipping and just canceled all the other stuff. But I got the 1985 Doc Brown figure. So uh, that is my first purchase this week. So as of right now, I'm 100% complete on the NECA Back to the Future stuff. And if you listen to Porch Talk this past week, myself and Todd talked about uh, what it would take for me to not be a completist on this line. Uh, And obviously I talked about I will buy all the Marty McFly's all the Doc Browns and all of the iterations of Biff slash Griff. Um, and I'm happy with that. As long as they don't start doing like Elaine or George McFly or any of that stuff, keep it to these three guys. I'll buy all of them. You know, I'm going to throw it out there. All right. They need to do a George McFly box set where it's beginning of the movie eighties, George, like out of shape and like yeah like right down george all right 50s george all right coming back to the 80s everything's good george yeah and the new actor who plays george in part two <laughs> well you know if it's a box set and i can bang it all in one shot i i would i would do that you know as long as right. i'm not tracking down four individual releases you know that would be uh that'd be difficult Okay. George McFly George McFly box set. <laughs> Maybe like a San Diego Comic Con exclusive or something like that, you know? With the uh, with and like and again, I I'm on an audio clip thing. We need to get audio uh, like audio features, audio chips back in our wrestlers, mm-hmm. our dolls, whatever. And he says the only the, the 50s one of course says keep your damn hands off of her. No. Hey you. Oh, Mr. It's my favorite fucking trilogy of all time. I don't know the goddamn <laughs> line. I also can't speak, but uh, I thought you were going to say you're my de- density. <laughs> no. Hey, you, get your damn hands off her. <laughs> it's the hey, you, that punctuates it. Yeah, no, fair enough. All right, Joe. Uh, as long as we're asking questions, what is the greatest TV show ever released on streaming? <sighs> it's a lot of TV shows. But there's only one that's the greatest ever. And it's only on streaming. It's not like streaming because if I was going to say the greatest show ever, we'd obviously all say Seinfeld. But I mean, the greatest show on streaming. Well, I'd say The Simpsons Um, (laughs) streaming exclusive streaming exclusive. I would say The Boys. But you're going to say Cobra Kai. You know what? You're you're on the mark there, Joe. Two for two. Uh, I purchased some Cobra Kai stuff this past week, uh, maybe because it was in my head because the new season came out. But I did not know that there was a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive Johnny Lawrence figure uh, that was like packaged in a VHS type packaging, like the clamshell packaging. Uh, I stumbled across it when I was looking for maybe my next purchase that I'll talk about in a second. Um, but I had talked about earlier, like months ago, my maybe wanting to go down the rabbit hole, buying like all the Johnny Lawrence figures, but I did decide I am only buying the ones based on Cobra Kai. I'm not buying anything based on Karate Kid. Sure. 
that's going to be my differentiator, my line in the sand that'll keep me from having to buy a fucking thousand dollar Remco figure. You know what I'm saying? Old uh, man, piece of meat, broken down Johnny Lawrence. I yeah, got yeah, relatable Johnny Lawrence. That's the one I'm talking about. Uh, so yeah, I bought that San Diego Comic Con uh, Johnny Lawrence figure. Um, and as I mentioned, I was actually looking for something else on eBay. Uh, and just as real quick, I bought from like a shady Chinese bootleg site, uh, a Cobra Kai hoodie slash jacket. But, uh, I was like, did you get it in yet? No, I, I literally just ordered it like three days ago. It's coming from China. It's going to take a while. Okay. I was just wondering how the quality, uh, let me know how the quality on that is. Yeah. I'm Probably a- poor, well, but, uh. Uh, going by the pictures, because I just sent you just a still photo of the one that I got, but I'm going to send you the listing. Uh, and based on the pictures, it looks like, first of all, there's two different styles. I bought the one that's red and black. You should buy the other one, which is like blue. I'm not buying anything. You should buy one. No. Uh, you, <laughs> the other one's like blue and gray. Uh, and the pictures, it shows it like it has like a fleece interior on it. So that's actually pretty nice. And if I could figure out how to share an item, here we go. Sharing, copy link, open text messages, Joe Spoto, paste, send. So here I'm sending you the eBay listing of the other one. Uh, in like four to six weeks when I get these, when it's like winter's like well past the point of me wearing a, a fleeced hoodie, I'll let you know how it looks. Because I've gotten like little things here and there like a year or two ago. We got like a stocking venom mask for my kid for like part of his halloween costume and like it was like 11 bucks free shipping and i'm like i'll roll the dice if it's a piece of shit you know we didn't, we're only out 11 dollars um i'm just concerned like a jacket is a big purchase you know as a chinese knockoff is a big risk and uh, i'm just glad you're willing to take that sort of risk well number one paypal uh, and eBay buyer protection. You know, it's like, hey, this thing is garbage. It doesn't match the photos. Give me my money, please. So there's really no risk in anything there. Um, and the one thing I'll tell you, when, whenever you're ordering something from China, you got to pay attention to the uh, the size conversion because it's like if I wanted an XL hoodie, you know, something a little bit big, that's like a Chinese 3X. Right. It has like the little conversion thing there because uh, – uh, I know Prowler gave me a bunch of stuff he ordered from eBay that he did not pay attention to that size grid because he got a bunch of stuff that was uh, too small for him. And so free wardrobe for me. Um, anyways, uh, two more purchases, Joe, and then we're out of here. Again, I'll just be really quick. I purchased in the major pod group. Somebody put up a micro brawler and they were asking a, a very, very, very low price compared to what it normally goes for. And it's actually a Danhausen micro brawler. Oh, okay. Basically, I got it for about twenty-five bucks less than the cheapest one on eBay, uh, but it's autographed. So uh, again, not trying to start an autograph figure collection, but if you want to sell me a, a Danhausen micro brawler for twenty-five dollars lower than retail and have it be autographed, I'll take it. You know what I'm saying? I don't have any of that sort of stuff. <laughs> All right, Joe, my last thing before I'll let you all get out of here. Um, I tweeted about this maybe almost a week ago that I was able to check something off of my eBay save search. That, yeah, it was something that have, you said something that had been sitting there for a very long time. Yeah, so uh, the save search in and of itself uh, I've had on there for almost three years, two and a half years at least, you know, a, a while. 
Um, and it hasn't been a situation where like, oh man, I just haven't had the money right now. Or, you know, somebody grabs one before I can get, get it. They just never pop up mint on card. And this was the first time that one came up for sale that I've ever seen. Um, so it is, and I'm sending it to you right now, uh, a two pack of figures from Jack's Adrenaline. Uh, featuring uh, some young upstarts named uh, Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder. And it is their second figure, uh, because their first figure is the Treacherous Trio's uh, three-pack with them and Edge. Uh, And this is the first two-pack where they're not Edgeheads. And uh, this thing, Joe, on card is impossible to find. uh, Because the Treacherous Trio's, at least people bought that because they wanted an Edge figure. Right. This is basically two jabrones. You know what I'm saying? Two jabrones with one belt. Yeah, which makes no sense. Um, And plus, if you were somebody who just wanted the belt and you're a Lucy guy, you might have been just buying these these two packs, stealing the belt, and then just trying to flip the figures loose. You know what I'm saying? Right. So as a mint on card guy, this was next to impossible to find. So much so that, like like I said, in over two years of being on my save search, uh, I've never seen one mint on card. Um, so this goes up, I get an eBay alert and the buy it now price. It was a a buy it now or best offer. The buy it now price was a price that I was more than comfortable making or buying it for. Um, but obviously you got to make an offer. Got to make an offer. Got to make an offer. So it's been on my safe search for three years. I've never seen one. It's impossible to get on card. I'm making an offer. Yeah. Well, I, again, that's the thing though. I was, I was very nervous if other major marks or anybody had this very rare, hard to find figure on their safe search. Maybe they would have just seen it and been like, fuck, buy it now. So I was very nervous when I was sending the offer that what if this guy doesn't get back to me and somebody clicks buy it now, I would have been devastated. Cause again, the buy it now price, I would have been more than happy paying that just because of how long I've been looking for this. You know what I'm saying? But anyways, I sent a, 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 an offer of basically a 30% reduction thinking, okay, let's start the dance. And like a minute later I get it's, it's accepted. Oh baby. So on one hand, I'm like, yay, I got my best offer and I got my figure. And then I'm like, Oh man, how low could I have gone? But anyways, I would have been happy buying it for the full price. The fact that I got 30% off and free shipping. uh, I'm pumped again. I was trying to get all of the broski and Hawkins, figures like pre woo 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 you know like that era stuff uh and i'm not all the way but i've got their their first figures and now i have their second figures uh slowly piecing it together and these are these are pretty hard figures to find so i'm happy to to get it done you know now you have the first ones uh as well mint in box right yes i have that the mint on card uh i talked about that i think they got them back in october yeah, um, but those were the same deal where they were impossible to find, and uh, it took a while to, to to get one. But these these pop up every once in a while, you know what I'm saying? Um, now I'm guessing again you haven't received it yet because we haven't seen the picture of it on the couch. <laughs> no, we haven't got the couch picture. Um, they are due to arrive tomorrow. I will say this from the picture that you sent me, it looks in very nice shape. Uh, I do like that the guy did wipe the dust off so you can see the logo that says adrenaline. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely needs a dusting. And I get where you're, I get where you're coming from that you want to get the pre woo 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 Hawkins and Broski figures, right? 
Yeah. These are bad looking figures. Oh, I mean, all Jack's fucking figures were bad until you got to the like the classic superstars. And even those are bad, but they kind of have like some Hasbro-esque charm to them. Like they're bad, but it's like cartoony bad. Right. Uh, and I just sent you the picture of the treacherous trios. But uh, yeah, I mean, is there a good looking Jack's figure, period? You know, the edge in the treacherous trios, his face don't look bad. Yeah, he's got like a weird smirk like he's. He's Zoolandering his lips, you know? Yeah, but at least you could look at that and know that's Edge. You know what I mean? Like, the Hawkins and Broski figures essentially look like the same heads, just making different faces. Yeah, if if the Hawkins one didn't have a hoodie that says Hawkins on it, you wouldn't know. Like Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're bad figures. And uh, I have the first standalone Broski one, which was a deluxe aggression that I mentioned getting a couple, like a month or two ago. And that's not really much better, you know, but got to have them, you know, got to check them off the list. I I guess now. So is there any others that are left that you still need to get that they've done? Or are these the only two packs of Hawkins and Broski or two or three packs? uh, These are the only full size uh, multi packs. Uh, So the original three pack of the edge heads and edge. Uh, the Adrenaline 2-pack of uh, Hawkins and Ryder. There are no Major Brothers figures, I can tell you that. Um, the next figures were Deluxe Aggression standalones, and I do have the Broski. I want the Hawkins. I don't have it yet. There's a couple on eBay. People are asking a fortune for them. I'll wait, and I'll find one for a good price. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, then there are um, the little tiny ones that are called microaggression. And if you remember a while ago, I actually bought the uh, the the samples, the ones that had the stickers on the back that were like in-house Jack samples. Remember yes. That? Okay. So those are something from that era. And lastly, there is uh, these little figures called Build and Brawl, uh, which I guess came with parts to a ring. And they're like maybe half the size of a of a Jacks figure, but there's a standalone Hawkins and a standalone Zack Ryder. So all, when all said and done, there's literally three figures I need, and I'll be happy and done. And two of them are Hawkins. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Broski. Um, it's just like I said, uh, there hasn't been a build and brawl mint on card on eBay uh, since I started looking. You know, I've seen mint on card pictures online, but never one for sale. Um, and the deluxe aggression Hawkins, I can go and buy one right now if I wanted to like overpay, but I'm just waiting for a good deal. You know what I'm saying? Sure. But that's like literally it for the pre, uh, woo woo figures from those guys, you know? Yeah. But it's crazy that they have that many, you know? Yeah. I mean, the edgeheads ones, you can kind of understand and almost question why there weren't more, you know, like, yeah, that was a big run, but, uh, you know, after that, there really wasn't much to, like, be celebrating making figs of, you know. But uh, um, I'll tell you what, when this uh, aggression uh, two-pack comes in, it is bumping the Super 7s out of the Detolfs. They're no longer Detolf worthy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, the, the the Super 7s are going back in their slipcase and their brown box, and they're getting put in the toy room. Wow. Got to make cuts, you know. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. But that's it, Joe. Just a small week of purchases. Nice lean week for you. Just a couple, exactly. just, just a couple figures in a jacket. Yeah, you know, it's it's practical jacket purchase and you know practical uh uh twenty plus year old figure. You know, 
So how uh, this is your second jacket purchase since we've been recording the show. <laughs> the second one that I've mentioned on the show. Yeah, probably, I guess. Oh, that you mentioned on the show. Yeah, you know, I'm always buying jackets. But uh, yeah, the Broski jacket's still in the closet. Don't worry. It's not going anywhere. It's a fixture. Okay. I, I worry. I worry about the Broski jacket. <laughs> you know, if somebody made me an offer, I can't refuse, though. I, that, that can go. Yeah. <laughs> See if Shawnee Caulfield wants to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, episode 207, At Odds with Wrestling. As mentioned, Adam's not going to be here next week, but he will be calling in. Um, and then he'll be assigning homework and going over his weekly purchases. Um, <laughs> Adam's. Al- calls. Well, I was going to say, well, you, you could do multiple calls or you could just do the Big Sue Jackson trick and have beautiful sound quality on your call, you know? Ooh, maybe I'll do some like. Some music, some fanfares. Some Lots of production. Fanfares. You ain't doing anything on Thursday. <laughs> All right, yeah. All right. So, again, for Adam, this is Joe saying thanks, everyone, for listening. Be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.